This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Folks, we're back here with uh, Peter Caltagirone. How you Thanks doing? Have me. I'm doing well. Before we started, um, I feel like an idiot. I've I've thought forever in my mind your name was Caltagore. It's not it. Well, that's all right. You and probably 75 percent of Alaska would know how to pronounce my last name. I think I'm one of only five Sicilians in the whole state. So. I was going to say this has to be like an Italian. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, actually, the island of Sicily, off of the mainland of Italy, uh, there's actually a town there called Caltagirone. Really? Um, oh, this is like Corleone. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of a similar thing. Um, my grandfather, who came to this country in 1919, uh, was actually from Palermo, uh, not from Caltagirone. I don't know much more of the family history beyond that. It's I, I have to ask. It's like a mo- it sounds like mob. <laughs> this scream Sic- Sicily, Palermo, 1919. I'm, I'm waiting to hear like the uh, connection to like you know uh, import export business. Right, right. The right, olive yeah. business or. <laughs> What's the um? Uh, what's what's the famous uh, the Jewish gangster? He was hooked up with all the Italian guys. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to. You thinking of Rothstein, or are you thinking no, of, no, um, no? Um, I'll think of an. Uh, he was the character from The Godfather. It was movies, ba- or based off him, but because um, you know, that character was uh, what's his name Hyman Roth, right? That was Hyman Roth. Yeah, but, the, yeah, the, but the, who was he based off of? He I was based know. off of. Um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to. Why am I blinking? I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But uh, he was hooked up with all the you know Italians, and they were doing all the. The business. Gotcha. So 1919, huh? 1990. My grandfather, yeah. My grandmother came to uh, Chicago in 1930 hmm. from England. Okay. Yeah. So same kind of, I mean, it's crazy sure. back then. You could just get on a boat, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of show up. Yeah. yeah whole, di- whole, whole different world. That's what frustrates me about, I mean, we'll talk about a lot of topics, but we just brought up immigration. I mean, you know, we used to just have a country where, people that were productive and wanted to come here mm-hmm. and, and be part of it and contribute could show up. And I mean, we built the whole country on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's a book, mm-hmm. uh, one, one billion Americans, the case for thinking bigger mm-hmm. that I just heard about by this Matthew Iglesias. It's, it's our book. It's our book for landmine book club for February. Yeah. I heard about that. How's that going by the way? Uh, we had our first meeting last week on the first book we did and we had about 15 people show up. One guy That's was a great in, turnout. One guy was in Arizona. Okay. A lady was in Houston and three of half of them I knew, and the other half I didn't know. And then of that, half of them knew me from Campbell Lake. That's where they kept talking about Campbell Lake. I read your Campbell Lake article, and I was like, wow. And so, do you have much of a reader base outside of Alaska? Or, I mean, have you done the stats on that? Yeah, so we, we do. I mean, I think maybe it's Alaskans who travel or work or mm-hmm. live outside, but we can see the Google Analytics. I mean, we can see other states and, you know, obviously Seattle, D.C. But, yeah, we, we have people from all over the – we even, you know, sometimes not as much, but, you know, Europe or – Australia, I, just all over the world. Sure. No, that's that's great. Yeah. So you moved here about five years ago? Yes, I moved here officially in March of uh, 2016. And uh, for me, it was kind of the culmination of a lifelong, well, at least in my adult life, uh, goal to move to Alaska eventually. 
and uh, finally had the right timing and opportunity to pull that off. Uh, so yeah, I got up here in March of 2016, and, and for me, the draw to be here was uh, general aviation. I've been a pilot for 14 years, and uh, you know, Alaska really is the mecca of general mm-hmm. aviation. More and more uh, pilots' licenses per per capita, right? That's absolutely, about the yeah, most than anywhere pilot. else in the United States, probably anywhere else in the world, frankly. But uh, but yeah, no, it's just a great place to fly, and the the economy here is so incredibly reliant upon it. Now, obviously, I don't do that for a living. But, so you started um, to fly when you were pretty. 20s or yeah early 20s right out of uh college i got my pilot's license um uh at uh van nuys airport in los angeles i was working in la as a jury consultant at the time and uh yeah after that uh went to law school at uh, villanova in philadelphia and practiced law there for for a large international law firm philadelphia was their home office uh cozen o'connor's name of the firm and uh, basically just was a trial lawyer and did that lower 48 um, in various jurisdictions for five years. And then um, finally had the opportunity to move up to Alaska when a position opened up at the attorney general's office. And um, see, I, I first came across you when you were doing something with AOGA, the Alaska Oil and Gas Association. Sure, yeah. for, for, you weren't there very long, though, didn't you? No, I was there for, for a hot minute. So I was at the AG's office for two and a half years doing oil and gas litigation primarily. Uh, also did some land use stuff, and um, uh, I was on the derelict vessel task force. For example, I had a piece of that lumberman case for a minute before I left. Oh the yeah, well, yeah. So I remember we, you did some coverage on. We that. did a story. So for the yeah. people aren't aware, there's this. It's gone now, but there was this yeah. lumberman, this old right. World War II. Right. Uh, was it a, like a old World War II t- era tugboat? Tugboat, yeah. And it was just it got broke the anchor and it drifted up and it was kind of in state water and it, it just kind of got stuck there and it was there for a couple of years. Right. And this guy bought it and he was kind of didn't have any money and uh, they just kind of, nobody didn't want to do anything with it. So sure. we took a drone over there and I mean, it's this fascinating story of like, well, who's, who's going to deal with it? And right. Exactly. I think and for and a while and there that's was, a $64,000 question with a lot of these things is they're so cost prohibitive to dispose of. Um, well, the Coast Guard at one point uh, drained the fuel out of it and they did a few other right. things to it. But then way before I even was reporting on it, some people tried to go out there on a skiff or something and somebody died. Somebody fell off. Yeah, I heard that was that was I think that was years before it broke away. If I'm not mistaken, years before it broke. What happened was that thing basically was tied up to the docks uh, that were owned by City and Borough Juno, as far as I understand it. A little closer to that. I'm um, sorry about that. Yeah, for years, and eventually broke free of its mooring and um, ended up on state submerged tide land, and so that's how it became the state's problem. Um, but yeah, no, to your point, I think before all that happened, somebody actually went out there and and tried to get on it, and and there was a death involved, and you know, I, I'm not sure what the story was on the owner, but, you know, he was basically an absentee guy. And So there was you know. a, we, we talked to DEC and mm-hmm. uh, we, we talked to um, Don Etheridge. He's the uh, Boats and Harbors, uh, head of the Boats and Harbors Commission. Okay. And he's also like a lobbyist in Juneau, but uh, for, for, for labor. But I was asking him about it. And one of the proposals, which I thought was the best idea, they were going to tow it out to the ocean and just sink, blow it up and sink it. Well, yeah. I, per- I guess they nixed that. It, well, in a perfect world, that's how it would go down. But the, permit that you need from the EPA, and we did this in a, with a different vessel, uh, the Accutan out of Dutch Harbor. I don't know if you read about that one a few years ago as well, but it's close to, depending on the size of the vessel, for something like that tugboat, it'd be close to about a million dollars just to go through the process of getting a permit from the EPA to That's dispose so of all That's the hazardous so materials, just to sink it in the bottom of the freaking ocean for crying so out So they, they estimated, and I, th- I thought this was a mistake, I didn't believe it, to, to tow it up to Haines and you know disassemble it and... and you know, basically demolish it. Yeah. They, they were saying quarter million dollars. Yeah, no, that that Which actually I, sounds I on the that sounds on the low side. Frankly. That's insane. How can no. it cost that much fucking money to it's, hook up a boat, pull it, take it up there, and 
demolish it. No, it, it's it's. I mean, anything marine related is going to be expensive. And then when you get into the disposal process, you know, all the hazardous materials on these vessels that are 60, 70, 80 years old and still floating. So they, they moved you know. it eventually to one of the docks in Juneau. They finally did move right. it. Right. And I don't know if it's still in that dock or what, what's going on with it, but it's it's so old and kind of run down, it's basically it's useless. Right, it is, yeah. So absolutely. I was thinking, you know, I thought maybe it was worth something. <laughs> give it to somebody to take it. Right. And, no, it's their problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the disposal value, uh, the scrap value of that stuff isn't worth the cost to, you know, actually go through the disposal process half the time. So The lumberman, yeah. I'll never forget when no. you drive the, you know, have you, have you seen, were you there? Uh, I, I drove past on the highway when I was down there for session a couple times. I saw it sitting yeah, you, on the tidelands. You, you're know. on the highway and all yeah. of a sudden there's this huge right. fucking boat just sitting in the middle yeah. of, the, of, of, the, of the inlet. Right, right. So you were, you were with AG, then was it? Aoga then DNR was it? A yeah, I was at the AG's office for two and a half years, and um, and you know a couple of people reached out to me and said, hey, you know Josh Kindred is leaving Aoga, uh, moving on to work for the feds, and um, now now Judge Kindred, now, ju- right? now Judge federal Kindred. judge, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so I uh, reached out to Kara Moriarty and said, you know, hey, listen, I understand you're hiring this position. I'm not really looking for work right now, but um, you know we. We had breakfast, and, and I liked what I heard, and it sounded like a great opportunity, so I took the job. And then four months into that, uh, Governor Dunleavy got elected, and, and I had a relationship with a um, uh, professional relationship with uh, Corey Foggy uh, from when she was the director of Division of Oil and Gas. I had worked with her when I was at the AG's office. So as soon as she got elected, I'm a big or fan excuse of- me, as soon as he got elected and named her commissioner, um, I was, <laughs> funny how it happened, I was back east for a funeral and i was at uh midway or, or not midway i was at o'hare airport waiting for the direct flight back to anchorage and so the alaska airline plane alaska airlines plane comes up to the gate and uh commissioner feige gets off and i'm standing there in in, in line at mcdonald's waiting for my sausage egg mcmuffin to bring it on the flight and she walks up to me and she's like how do you how would you like to come work for me and i said wow that's incredibly flattering but i just took a job at Ayoga. i don't want to burn that bridge uh, but you know, we thought about it and I talked to people about it and they said, no, you're not going to burn a bridge. Go ahead. It's, so this happened in O'Hare. This happened in O'Hare. Yeah. Wow. And, I love, uh, I, I love Corey Feige. Big, <laughs> oh, she's fantastic. Big, big fan. Yeah. I, um, met her years ago when she was working for Link. Yeah, sure. And her husband uh-huh. was, Eric was in the legislature. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, she's real smart yeah. and, and very, very, um, very smart, very yeah. on top of it. And, and she's, she's just, you know, for the last two years, it, it was a great job. She was fantastic to work for. Uh, really genuinely cares about the state of Alaska and bringing about some meaningful change at DNR. Um, and, uh, yeah, and the only reason that I left, um, uh, certainly no sour grapes or anything, everyone's on great terms. Um, I just saw an opportunity to finally launch my own law practice, which is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, I had and a lot. now you got the, is it like Caltagirone? Caltagirone Legal LLC, yep. Yep, that's the firm, and uh, have I'm renting some office space across from Skinny Raven on Eighth Avenue, and yeah, downtown's uh, the way to go, I think. For yeah, the, I think so too. Law, that's where that's where they all are. Lends a little credibility to you, and you know, I'm I'm in a I'm in an existing, excuse me, I'm renting from an existing practice that has you know four or five lawyers with it, the paralegals, you know, the whole nine yards, and and so it's nice to be in a law firm environment and have people to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, it's a nice place to come to work every day instead of, you know, opening up a home office and being in my fortress of solitude all day long. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it, it's nice to be around other people. So have you got, you just, I know you just announced a few months ago, you got the law firm going. Have you gotten clients? or Last you... month I announced, yep, yep. And uh, I do, thanks for asking. I, I have a surprising amount of clients for, this is now my second month. I'm I'm humbled and shocked. But uh, So are you, are you trying to do 
Are you looking at like litigation or civil or, or I mean, criminal or whatever? Or yeah, just... no, that, that uh, fair question. So I consider myself a trial lawyer and uh, on the civil side. And uh, in my years of practice in the lower 48, I was doing uh, complex commercial litigation, um, which can be, you know, any manner of issue really uh, for, for corporations, businesses that are, you know, suing each other basically. Um, in addition to that, a uh, really nuanced area of the law called large loss property subrogation. And that's when... Uh, large loss property sub- subrogation. subrogation. Yeah. Wow, that's so, a big one. So for those of you listening at home, pause here, wait till you have to go to bed. And um, I'm going to put you to sleep very easily <laughs> with what I'm about to describe. But um, basically, insurance company pays on a loss, whether it's a fire or flood damage. Um, you, know, you name it, something that happens to a structure. And uh, they pay the, the owner of the building uh, pursuant to the terms of their policy. Now, if there's a third party responsible for what happened, and the example I always give is, let's say it was a defective toaster and it burned the house down, right? And Black & Decker made the toaster. I would then represent the insurance company and go after the manufacturer of the toaster or go after the plumber that installed something wrong, whatever, and get that money back from the insurance company that they paid to the homeowner. I just saw a documentary uh, some friends watched a few weeks ago on this PDBEs, these, like, flame retardants, flammables, and, you know, they eventually... Made it to where you had to do so much retardant on the on the couch or the bed or whatever. Oh sure. But before okay. you know these fires would happen. The manufacturing and it was like, process. Is yeah. it the cigarette? Is it the like right. the, the cigarette manufacturer? Is right. it the couch? Or yeah. this is back in like the sixties and seventies, and then this all ended up in kind of litigation. And, and now they're right. saying these PDBs and PFOS and PFO, and now, now they're saying these might be fucking worse. Than oh, that like, stuff doesn't break down. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. might be worse mm-hmm. than than you know having a couch that might you know catch on fire. Right. If right. you're you know smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So it's like it's yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy how litigation can have unintended consequences or, or unintended effects. Litigation drives a lot of things behind the scenes in terms of what we pay for products, in terms of what products are made out of, to your point. I mean, in terms of what companies will and will not do. Um, uh, you know, a, 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 anyway, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I feel like I'm boring the listeners already. So. Just trying to look up, I'm just trying to look up the name of that fucking Jewish gangster guy. I'm driving, driving me crazy. Yes, back to more interesting topics. <laughs> so, so um, to, from a law firm here, I mean, you're part of the bar, so basically just sure. business license, you're boom, you're good to go. You can do you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, part of the Alaska bar. I'm licensed in four other states as well. I have California, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. And uh, how many yeah. how many does that other ones is that because isn't there a reciprocal thing? Some of these states have there reciproc- are some reciprocity, and a lot of that's driven by um, years of practice. So I had been in enough. I had been practicing long enough when I moved to Alaska that I could wave in. It was the only of those five states that I'm licensed in. Alaska bar is the only one I never had to take. Uh, so I had so taken the bar four times. I taken yeah. Those are four other states I had to take it because I took it at a point in my career when I was still. Were you uh, a first pass? It. Yeah, uh, first pass for Pennsylvania, New Jersey. That's what I did when I got out of law school in 2009, uh, and practiced in Philadelphia for years after that. I also took Massachusetts because at the time I had clients in Boston. Uh, but I've never signed a pleading in Massachusetts, so it's the one that I've never used. Um, and then um, I went home to San Diego for a couple of years, and I practiced at a mid-sized firm down there, uh, Solomon Ward, it's called, and uh, took that took the California bar. I did not pass it the first time. I missed it by a couple points. Oh. And uh, I was working full-time in California, Delaware, and New York are the three hardest bars, at least back in the day. I don't know. It may, may have changed in, in recent years. but uh, So anyway, I buckled down, hired a, you know, tutor to, to, to basically help me. And, and, and the, the, um, the, the trick is getting the essays written correctly on the mm-hmm. bar exam. 
Um, if you don't do, I mean, you can know the material backwards and forwards. If you're not writing the the essay answers the way that the examiners want you to do it, they're not going to pass you. So is there is there a time frame you have to wait to take it again? Or no, that it's offered at least. They're changing some things now with COVID, and, and I really don't know what the new rules are. But uh, back when I took it, they, it was always offered twice a year. Every where, excuse me, every state in the country offers it on the same stretch of three days, huh. and so uh, it's either in July or in February usually. Oh, so you got to wait six months, right? Right. I took the LSAT after college. And I'm sorry, to I, hear. <laughs> uh, one did not study for it hardly at all. Yeah. And two, I did not do very well. The I LSAT I got. is a real bear. It was yeah. not. But I remember thinking. I didn't know if I wanted to go to law school. No. I mean, I, I guess I thought about maybe. So I took the thing, and those fucking games are like oh, seven, seven people on seven too. days and yeah. seven planes no, and that. Yeah. all that. Like, I mean, I, I'm thinking, like, why does this have any bearing? Maybe it does on, like, your ability to critically think right. or solve problems or something. But I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. I mean, like, the English language, Absolutely. fine. The others, you know, but that, that what are they called? Games or puzzle logic games? games? Logic games. Logic games. Yeah. Jesus, that was like, and, and, and. I guess if you study for it and people I knew that they went to study groups and they did all these things, I mean, there's ways to like do tricks of drawing it, it out. And, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You have to learn, you have to learn the tricks. And I can I mean, say I after 11 years of practice, the logic game section, come on. I never, I never used I, any of that. I think some people, maybe one in a hundred, you have these like genius type people who can like rain man, right? He can look at the thing and sure. they can look at it and they can, they can say, Oh my gosh, you know, they can just see it. But right. I, I was, um, I remember going through that thing and taking that LSAT and I was, hours into it and I was yeah. just like so yeah. frustrated and that doesn't change too that that, that way of test taking uh, when you get to the bar exam as well because when I did it at least and and uh, you had most states had a day of essays and a day of uh, multi-state bar exam and the multi-state bar piece is uniform across all jurisdictions and there's games to or excuse me there's um, tricks to learning how to answer those questions and once you learn those tricks you know that knocks out a large percentage of the uh, of the questions you really just have to learn how to do it so I gotta say I gotta wow. get a little refill here. You, you brought a no, absolutely an amazing bullet, and you brought not it. only just gla- like actual glasses, but the the big <laughs> the big ice cubes. Well, you know what? So it's I gotta the first say, podcast we got to do it right. So here's to you. It's pretty good. Look at that nice pour. Nice pour. It's good. Good Friday. Good Friday. <laughs> so how do evening. we cheer in uh, in Russian? To, you, uh, you would say uh, Nazdorovia. Nazdorovia. Yeah. All right. I was gonna yeah. say your your uh, sweater there. I commented, it looks very Scandinavian. Did you get that in like, Stockholm or No, I'm pretty Oslo? sure I got this on sale at The Gap, so I'd like to say it's fancier than that. But we're drinking bourbon. I'm wearing white after Labor Day. It's, you know, I, it's, I, I, I love it. So you said you were flying pretty young. I started flying when I was 14, gliders uh, in Civil Air Patrol. And then I got my private pilot glider license when I was 16. And I, I flew a little bit of single engine, um, but I couldn't really you know afford it when I was a kid. And then I moved to Alaska, and I've never pursued it but mm-hmm. I, I was talking to before we started i this year definitely want to go i was talking to the guys at was it blue arrow uh blue sky blue, blue up sky. in palm yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know just do a straight you know three four week go, go straight yeah. through and yeah get, that's I the see way you, to do it i see you flying a lot you got the is it the 172 is that yours or is it a club no i have access to several airplanes through the elmendorf aero club actually oh see i've heard that's the i've heard that's the good one that is the way to go yeah and i've never served it's usually you know just veterans or people on active duty and and that's not me but um, but I'm a Civil Air Patrol member as well. Uh, yes, yeah, that's where I was as a kid. I um, no. I joined and I was in it for you know my high school and sure. I almost got the sp- the spots or spats. I don't know they said it different ways, but that's that kind of the highest one has for to the do kid. with the. So, so there's like the Mitchell, which is the first one, okay. which is like a second second. These lieutenant. are for the youth cadets. For the right? youth cadets, yeah, right. Mitchell yeah. and the Earhart, which mm-hmm. I got, and then the spats is like the highest one. It's kind of like probably equivalent to Eagle Scout, I, I would say. Gotcha. You know? yep. And um, 
it, it, I just turned 18, so mm-hmm. I, was, I was very close. I almost got it. Gotcha. But Civil Air Patrol was great. I mean, I did encampments, glider encampment. I did um, other, you know, for the youth side, other encampments. I went to um, Columbus Air Force Base in Mississippi, you know, for, for, a, oh, that's pretty neat. for a thing, for, yeah. you know, kind of a leadership thing. And, um, and so how does it work with a the glider? They actually, they tow you, right, in another plane and, and bring you up to altitude? That's, one, that's, that, that's the main way, yeah. Okay. The main way is you get towed. I mean, there's other ways. There's a winch. So the main way is you get pulled up by like a, uh, you know, crop duster is a pretty mm-hmm. popular one, or you could do 172 or 185. Or okay. I got pulled up in a small glider once when I was very young, and it was pretty lightweight. And this 172 wasn't; it was down. And there was another. This is in New Mexico, and there was another pilot who did towing. He had a 185, and mm-hmm. he was like, "I'll pull you up." And I was like, "Okay." And before that, I'd been towed by like, you know, crop duster like ag- like ag wagons. Oh, yeah, and rock. Uh, 185 compared to that's gonna be like a rocket ship. So, so we're taking off, and I'm in this. It's called a 126. It's like a little metal, fift, you know, 15. It's not even 15 meters. It's probably like a 13 meter, 12 meter glider, wingspan, and it's metal and it's pretty light. And I'm in there, and we're going up, and we we take off, and you kind of the glider goes off the ground first. Okay, picks up like you know a few feet. Right. And then you're you're kind of we have such long wings. It, it yeah, you pick up right away. Yeah, so the, right. the tow plane's still on the ground. He pulls up, and then you kind of just go and you keep on the horizon. So we're up there, and then he just fucking like. Like yanks it up, you know, and I'm like, look, why, why is he going so, like, why is he going so fast? Why is he going so, like, why, why, why is he pitching up so much, you know? And then we're, I'm trying to, I couldn't pull off or anything because it was, it was way too low. You know, you got to, like, go back and land, and it's dangerous. <laughs> so this guy's pulling me up, and then we, we hit a thermal, and the guy, like, cranks the, wheel, the, the wing over, and he starts thermaling on tow. And I'm just, like, behind the thing trying to keep the thing, the wing's level and... Do you have the horizon. ability sitting in the glider to disconnect yourself? Sure, you do. Of course, okay. you do. Yeah, right. but but you don't want to do it too low. Okay. Because you know, I mean, unless you're a thousand feet, that's kind of fine. Or even five hundred, six hundred feet, okay. you can kind of turn around and land. But right. you know, I mean, it was it was a really strong day, high lift. But I was like, man, that's my first experience with a one eighty five. Yeah. No, I, I, I've been a pilot 14 years, and what you're describing terrifies me. I have no interest in getting in a glider, so good on you. Well, I mean, glider, I, I think I, I think it's good for pilots to fly gliders first or, or at all because, you know, especially when you learn on a glider, I mean, there's no second opportunity to land. I mean, that's your, oh, that's sure. your shot. So you well, yeah, to, and, and I would have to think that you really have an understanding of wind and everything else. I mean, Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. And, and you really have to, you know, the you slip know. is important. You know, I've, I was flying one time in New Mexico, and, or I grew up kind of flying near my house. It was uh, other side of the Sandia Mountains, mm-hmm. a place called Moriarty, and um, I was in a pretty nice glider, and I was been flying for four or five hours, and I came I came back, and um, the wind had shifted pretty substantially. It was like a twenty five knot crosswind, right. and there's one run one runway. Oh. so I'm slipping this fucking thing like full full right <laughs> aileron, full left and rudder, twenty five knot crosswind, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm, I'm actually having to line up mm-hmm. uh, to the side of the runway. Because even in the full oh, sure, slip, yeah. I was still drifting. Oh, 25 knot crosswind? And, Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, lining still, up on the center line. <laughs> I was, yeah, there, there's, and then another time I was in a glider, I was, I was um, in that 126, and I was really high up. I was like 10,000 10, feet or something, and I was in a really rough thermal, but it okay. was a really strong lift. And you've been, you fly, you've seen thermals, you know, they. Oh, so absolutely. I've got my ass kicked several times in the air. It's, sometimes it's they're not kind pleasant. Of, yeah. Sometimes they're kind of rough. So yeah. I'm in this 126, and I had just done um, a month before spin training. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, I kind of was fresh, you know, you, you know, stick down opposite rudder and sure, pull yeah. back. So I'm in this glider and I, it's very rough thermal and the wing popped, the thermal hit the wing up. And the next thing I know I'm spinning. I mean, it was like, it was like immediate. It was just, it was crazy, you know, and I just it kicked in full, you know, stick forward yep. uh, and I got out of it. But man, it was, it was, it was like that. 
How's your rudder control in a glider? I mean, do you have a lot of rudder control? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's all okay. kinds of different. There's, you know, $200,000 fiberglass wow. high performance, and there's old, you know, wood sure. or cloth. But, sure. but, but to answer your question, most people get towed, but you can do a winch, which is a huge cable, and there's a machine on the end of the runway. And it starts to go, and it pulls you up at about 45 degrees, mm. so you really can't see the horizon. And then when you get to the peak of the winch, you just you pull off. You pull the release and get off. Gotcha. And then there's some motor gliders. Some, huh. are, some are motorized. You okay. Can, you can use the motor. Pretty the, neat. The winch yeah. is fucking scary. Yeah, I would imagine. First thing, you really can't see much. <laughs> <laughs> you're just kind of you're there. You're right. along for the ride. Right, right. Huh. Well, interesting stuff, yeah. You should like, there's a Civil Air Patrol has gliders here. There is, yeah. Um, uh, actually, my squadron uh, commander, Jim McCarthy, is uh, is big on the glider. You know program. Pete Murray? Or, um, I, no, I don't. I'm uh, no. sorry, Pete, Pete Brown. Pete Brown. I don't know him. He's either. in Civil Air, but no. he flies gliders in Civil Air Patrol. Okay. No. So, no. so they say flying in Alaska is like probably the best place to fly or learn to fly because the conditions here are so, you know, versatile compared to other like Arizona or something. Or. Yeah, you certainly have to watch weather. I mean, it can, it can change on you in a heartbeat, you know, especially compared to you know, flying in Southern California, which is where I learned. Um, but, uh, yeah, you always have to watch for icing and, um, you know, it's, it, yeah. I mean, the weather changes very quickly up here. So you just got to be on top of it and, and learn how to read things a little bit. So do you want to buy a plane at some point? Is that? On oh, the... absolutely. I mean, if, if, if everything works out the way I hope it does, hopefully by the summer, frankly, I'm looking at either, um, a one one eighty five or or two hundred six. One eighty five. That's range. yeah. That's the big boy. Yeah, yeah. I have about I don't know fifty or sixty hours on floats in a one eighty five, but not on wheels. I don't have a, a tail wheel endorsement, so uh, that's something I need to obviously get done before I purchase an airplane like that. But that's part of why I'm looking at maybe doing a two hundred six. You know, because mm-hmm. it's tricycle gear and we mentioned from an insurance standpoint, it'd probably be better too. But we mentioned Campbell Lake earlier. There's a bunch of those over on Campbell oh, Lake. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> some real surprise ni- me. Yeah. Some real nice ones. <laughs> So I won't ask too much about this, but when you were at DNR, this Campbell Lake, you were there when Campbell Lake article came out, right? I was. I'm, I'm assuming you probably are aware of that. You, you became aware of that. I did become aware of it. <laughs> I, I was, I was, um, it was this whole thing. You pissed in everyone's Cheerios. Oh yeah. I was going door to door for the Senate. I dropped out of it because of the circumstances, but the summer I was knocking doors and I was sure. over in ocean view. Um, one day there's this park over there. Um, Gottstein park. I don't know if you've, Looks over the bluff. I think I know what you're talking about. Very pretty part. I was kind of in the area, so I went to go check out the part. There's people there, and I was talking to them. And I'm walking back, and there was this couple in lawn chairs. It was like a 70-degree summer day. And I said, hi. And I said, do you guys live in the area? And they said, yeah. And I'm Jeff. I'm running for Senate. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. She goes, we were just talking about you. She's like, we work at DNR. (laughs) (laughs) Big fans. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't believe it. Well, listen, man, I mean, obviously I'm not going to talk details, but, uh, you know, easements and easement vacations, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, it's all an interesting part state, of the law, too. It is, and it's one I'm certainly not at all well-versed on. You know, it, it's, it's just not my practice area, but, um, but I did learn a little bit about it, you know, through other cases. I didn't work Campbell Lake at all when I was at DNR, but I did work some other easement issues, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. You know, I started my practice in Pennsylvania, which, you know, their constitution predates the federal constitution and you know the feds look to the look to the pennsylvania laws and the pennsylvania mm-hmm. constitution to, to draft art what we have at the federal level you move up to a state like alaska and it's the exact opposite i mean we're still sorting out what it means to be we, a state, we have we're know, working on another story right now yeah. kind of a historical um, mm-hmm. story about a case in 1886 and it's it's a really complicated thing in sitka involving slavery and wow. but what um what i've kind of found out is uh, after the organic act uh, in 1884 um, we have all these, and to this day, 
on the books from Oregon. We, we basically just took Oregon's laws, Alaska. Sure. At, a long time ago, and we're like, yeah, we're going to use those laws. And I'm pretty That's why sure to this day there's like references to Oregon all over the place. Absolutely, and I'm pretty sure there's a reference specifically on on that point in our constitution. Might be in our constitution, uh, state constitution, that gives Oregon precedent a little more uh, weight. Yeah. When you're making an argument in your briefing to the court than other jurisdictions, because I think they yeah. just kind of did a copy and paste, yeah. like, hey, well, yeah. use these. Right. So when you were at DNR, what was your role? What, were you a, like a lawyer, I guess? But you were doing like legal. Uh, Analysis, uh, or c- certainly a lot of overlap with my with my role as a lawyer, but um, uh, statutorily, no, I wasn't practicing as, as a lawyer. The Alaska statutes are actually pretty directly on point that you know all legal work has to be done by the and exclusively by the attorney general's office. But you know, oh, someone right, okay. who's been a lawyer for ten years, obviously, I bring a legal mind to you know some of the so tasks that's why that the, I was doing. That's so. why they're always directing me to Department of Law with yeah. any legal. No, that's like right. That's right in Alaska statute, chapter forty four, somewhere, some something I can't. You Insighted for you, but um, but yeah. So my title there was senior legal and policy advisor, not counselor, not attorney. Yeah, so we were very deliberate in, in picking that title oh. for that reason. But uh, but no. So you know, I basically you know the job one was DNR had this 150 backlog of administrative appeals that prior administrations had just ignored or, you know, sidestep for political reasons or, you know, whatever. And so we had appeals going back, administrative appeals going back to like 2008, if you can believe it. Wow. And uh, On matters they, they had decided or matters they no, had... No, matters that people had, you know, so so the way it works in our, in our administrative procedure is the division issues a decision and, um, you know, appellants who have standing have rights to get a second look um, uh, from the commissioner. And so, you know, they say, okay, this was the wrong decision, X, Y, and Z reasons. Commissioner, I'd like you to overturn it, or I'd like you to tweak it in this way, or whatever their, you know, redress is that they're asking for. And so um, it's the commissioner's job, and, and, you know, she has people to help with this, um, you know, to basically do the analysis and, uh, you know, give the appellant due process and issue a decision. And then once that decision's issued, then that appellant, they still don't like the answer, their rights then vest to go to superior court. And, uh, and and seek an administrative or seek an appeal, um, you know, through that venue. But you can't do that until you get a decision from the commissioner. So for people that have had decisions or, or uh, excuse me, people who have had, you know, appeals sitting out there for, you know, 10 years, what are they to do? They can't go to superior court. They're waiting on the commissioner. So the new, decision. so what happens? A new commissioner takes over new, new administration and then right. they, they look at all these things and they can either choose to deal with them or not deal with them. Yeah. What if, what if I'm waiting? Can I just say, well, the, it's been five years. They aren't doing anything. Can it's, the, it's been tried. Can the courts and, intervene? And the way I, the courts are very, you know, hesitant to intervene. There's been a couple decisions recently that have telegraphed to me at least that, you know, courts are going to start intervening, I think, moving forward. That's just purely a, a Well, the, you know, the judges have a thing where they, if they don't get to their docket, they, right. they don't get paid, right? Uh, that's so that, so that's something different. That is if, um, if there's a dispositive motion, uh, pending before, uh, before, uh, uh, before a judge. So the, the way I understand it in Alaska procedure, like for example, if I file a motion for summary judgment on something, judge doesn't address it within 60, 90 days. I don't know what the time, maybe it's six months. Um, I think yeah. it's six months. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get paid. But I thought too, um, they had a thing where if they, if they didn't get, maybe it's that, but if they didn't have, if they had so much on the docket or if they didn't do so, so many things and they don't get, they have to do it or else they don't get a paycheck. Or. That part of it, I don't know, but I do know there is a trigger uh, if they don't uh, dis- dispose of a motion uh, on time. Uh, it's interesting in Alaska, we have this rule about age, mm-hmm. which I've always kind of wondered, is that constitutional? Because the Supreme Court, you know, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg was like in her late eighties. Mm-hmm. Here, I think it's seventy. It's like a for, it's a forced retire. But then they can come back and work. Oh, interesting. Like they can okay. come back and do a, uh, you know, con- con- contract work, or they can. What's the term for it? Because I mean, because a lot of like Carpinetti mm-hmm. was one of them. He was he was forced to retire. There's other ones that have, and they're you know like seventy's not sure seventy's not ninety. You know. Yeah. No, I sat in on a trial in Bethel that we had, um, and uh, we had a judge just like that. I forget his name. I think it was Judge Funk, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, the commissioner made it a priority. She said, you know, this is, this sh- it shouldn't be this way. We have all these open appeals. And um, so I put together a team, and, uh, you know, we did 100 appeal adjudications in uh, two years, which was a record for DNR. See, I imagine uh, even just looking at one of those things, and I have no idea what they're about, but, like, knowing what I know about, like, you know, the, the Campbell Lake or the Stewart Trail issue mm-hmm. or any kind of land use. I mean, you start to look at something and it just becomes a web of Pandora's box. It 100%. So you're like, I mean, it seems hard to believe. Which is a big reason th- why a lot of these things have been ignored over the years. So, um, but, but yeah, no, to your point, I mean, you know, you dig into an issue and you say, okay, this is just a pissed off neighbor. And then, you know, on, you know it could be anything from a pissed off neighbor. It could be you know, the plan of development for one of the units on the North Slope, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the range is just And sometimes incredible. I imagine these can have yeah. bigger implications on uh, other, other policies throughout. Oh, the absolutely. State. Absolutely. So yeah, to your point about the web and the Pandora's box. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, you really have to sit down and read through it and, and give the appellant their due process and, you know, talk to your lawyers at law if, uh, if there's a legal opinion that's required and, and, you know, get quality sound decisions out the door. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I'm proud of is, you know, and with the commissioner's blessing, you know, we put together a really good team of people to start moving these things through, um, you know, on a go, go forward basis. So, yeah. And I like, like, like I said, I've known Corey Feige for, for yeah. quite a few years. Yeah, she's fantastic. Big, big, big fan of her. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that I did. I also worked, I had a leadership role on some of our due diligence on the BP Hill Corp transaction. So I got to work on that, which is a really interesting piece yeah, of Yeah, I work. saw that, that pipeline no. uh, portion just, just got approved by the oh, RCA. The RC- oh, I didn't even see, I didn't check their yeah, docket. So the days, RCA finally weighed in. A couple okay. days ago, yeah, yeah they, they approved, approved I've been it, so, so busy the last couple of days, I didn't even hear about so it. So I guess you know. my, my friend who's an oil and gas person said basically BP's fully out of Alaska now. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll have to read the decision. I'm looking forward to reading that. So, so yeah. I wanted to ask you too, you wrote, you wrote an article, you wrote a... a Opinion piece or a kind of um, community voice for us six months, maybe a little longer than that. It was in February. It's almost Yeah, here. so, yeah, yeah. And it was why you left the Republican, mm-hmm. why you joined the Libertarian Party. And, right. Uh, well-written piece. And Thank you. I, I liked it, but it um, it, it really took off. I was shit of brick when I sent it to you, by the way. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I got to check. The, I should pull it up because it got, like, a lot of fucking shares, a lot. I mean, I think over a 1,000. I'd be curious to know what the exact numbers are. Let me, uh, let's just do a little, we're going to do a little Google here. While, All right, while, fair while, enough. While, while yeah. we're, uh, so we have the computer out here. So we're going to do Peter Caltagirone. Yes. C-A-L-T-I-G-R-O-N-E. T-A-G. It's a common yeah. mistake. It'll work. Not even close. Yeah, I got, yeah, <laughs> I'll just. Peter Castiglione. I love the Castiglio, Google suggestion. Castiglione. <laughs> C-A-L-T-I. T-A-G. A-G. No, 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 no. It, 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 go back. Oh, my God. C-A-L-T-A. There you go. It's suggesting it, it for it you. It comes up automatically. Yeah. No, about we're, that? No, we're just going to do that. We're going to do a Google land, Famous, apparently. Alaska Landmine, and it should come up. I could just search you on the... Um, yeah. yeah, why I decided to... We're having trouble Party. talking, and we're only, what? We're drinking. A bourbon and, and a half in. We're going to be good and cocked. 1.5,000 thousand shares. That means that means that 1.5,000, 1,500 people on Facebook shared your article. Wow. Which, for, for a community voice or for, for kind of a guest piece, that's, you know, we've had some that have been similar to that, but... Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the highest ones. 
Wow. There it is, Peter Caltagirone. About them. So you you jo- joined, the, and I got to tell you, I had a similar thing in 2008. I was Republican. I went to the Republican convention here mm-hmm. in Alaska. I was a Ron Paul guy. We were kind of, at the time, told, you know, fucking get out of here. We don't like you people. Yeah. I got very mad. I was We were treated kind of badly. I joined the Libertarian Party for a while. Really? Uh, yeah. And I grew up, my dad was conservative, but I was always mm-hmm. hearing Libertarian, you know, live and let live. And Sure. But, I mean, I've been to some of their meetings, and holy fuck, I mean... <laughs> Some crazy motherfuckers. I mean, <laughs> I hey, listen, I, I, I mean, there are some kooky I agree, people at that party, but I also went to Republican conventions as well back when I was a Republican, and there's yeah. crazy motherfuckers there too. That, so, that, I mean, it's like at every true. single also, party, there are nuts people. I mean, I mean, the, the most crazy kind of people are drawn to like the party right. politics, but like I was at this libertarian, it was, um, I'll never forget this, it was, it was like their convention or. Mm-hmm. And my old professor, Paul Johnson from UA. Did you go to the state convention or national Yeah, state convention. convention yeah. The state yeah. convention. State convention is usually like 15 people, right? It was like 40, 35, 40. It was, oh, wow. like, it was okay. a lunch. And right. Paul Johnson, my old economics professor, who's still the professor over there, he came to speak. Go ahead and pour me a little bit there. You got Peter it. Peter Caltagirone. Happy to do it. Love that. It's a, it's a you, you, very liberal pour there. And you're, <laughs> love that. Well, I got to so, keep the host happy, right? So uh, he spoke about, like, he's an economics professor, very smart, kind of libertarian, you know, free market guy. Mm-hmm. And he gave a great speech about markets and, and different things. This is like in 2010 or, it was a long time ago, 10 years ago. And like afterwards, this guy raised his hand and he's like, the very, like, just imagine stereotypical libertarian in your mind. That's okay. who this guy was. All right. And he's like, I have an idea. We got all this debt. At the time it was like 15 or 16 trillion, you know, 15 trillion. Um, Drop in the bucket compared to what it is now. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot, but it was now it's over 20, I think. Is it higher? Is Keep it, going. I mean, oh, my there's God. There's a clock, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's just Trump's no, it's, ran that motherfucker up. Yeah, know, absolutely. For, More for than years. Obama. Yeah, at oh a faster yeah. rate than Obama, which true. is a lot of Republicans don't acknowledge. I wonder, to that point, now that Biden's going to be our president, Defi- if they're going to start giving a shit about the debt again. Deficit hawks. They're all going to be deficit hawks. So he's like, he's like, I have an idea. He's like, we have this money that China, you know, we're going to, we're going to, issue a note mm. for 15 trillion dollars okay that's one note we're gonna boom pay it off done and you know paul johnson says well i understand your kind of logic but there's some issues with that inflation and paying to say the least printing <laughs> money and like and like got debt obligations right. which and, we're printing money now anyway and, but, and, yeah. and you know the guy's like no you don't understand it's one fucking note <laughs> paid off and, and, and he got very kind of like aggressive with Paul John, you know, and he's kind of like, uh, and there was another guy at the same thing. It was, it was at the golden lion hotel actually right. where it was the golden lion, which they just bought the city just bought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy had this big long barrel revolver on him, like a, like a 44 Magnum. Like it was a long barrel. And I go, man, that's a pretty big gun you got there. And you know, your side, he's like, yep, my right to have it. All right. I go, absolutely. He goes, let somebody challenge me. I go, I'm not. Challenging at all. No, I, I love your no, guy. No, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Very libertarian. Right. Well, to your point, though, about, you know, the crazy people, right? And the, Absolutely. I fully acknowledge that. I mean, one of the libertarian presidential candidates walked around with a muck boot on his head, for crying out loud. But, you know, when you listen to that guy and the other guys talk, yeah. I mean, they actually make really coherent, logical well, arguments. And, and so what I've found in the libertarian party especially is the people that are libertarian and that are outspoken about it, you know, you have your sect of libertarians that are like conspiracy theorists and all that bullshit. I mean, you know, that that part of it's well, that, there, and I distance myself from that. But that's but, I think that's everywhere. right. It is, and especially true in the Republican Party now too. But, um, but what I found is people are logical, reasoned thinkers, and really, you know, 
when they take when, when they take a position on something, I mean, it, it it's backed up, and it's backed up in the text of the Constitution or statute or, you know, whatever. I've been really impressed with that. You know, well, Gary yeah. Johnson, who yeah. uh, you know, was twenty twelve, right? Or was sixteen? So he ran in sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. So yeah. he was actually not very well, but he was governor of New Mexico when mm-hmm. I was uh, growing up, and he's been up here a couple times. So I mean, I wouldn't say I know him. I've met him several times, and. I grew up with him being Republican governor of New Mexico. Sure. He was a very popular governor. Yeah, two-termer, um, right? Yeah. yeah, he came out for, I'll never forget when I was a kid, he, he was, you know, very popular, elected twice. Right. And after his second election, he came out in favor of marijuana. This is like 90s. Oh. And my dad's like Mr. controversial Con- back then. My dad's yeah. like Mr. Conservative, and yeah. he's like, he voted for him, and, you know, he was like 25 years in the Navy and mm-hmm. fought in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember he's like, I can't believe I voted for that goddamn doper. <laughs> 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 it's amazing how mar- even to this day marijuana is a divisive well, issue for well, people. Yeah. Now it's like yeah. people like my dad probably don't even care anymore. You know, it's right. it's such a oh. accepted issue now compared to 20, 20 plus years ago where right. you know it was like may as well have been cocaine. But or something. for whatever reason though, it's still at the federal level. There's still I know they've made some recent headway on this in the House, but I mean it's it's still there's a stigma about you know. Yeah, Don, Don, Don Young right, and yeah. Tulsi Gabbard are in the yeah. the cannabis caucus. Yeah, the cannabis caucus, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the libertarians, I, I just think there's a, the, the reason I'm drawn to that, at mm-hmm. least ideology or um, that thinking is, is just the very, I really appreciate, especially in Alaska, the kind of live and let live. Right. And we have a history of that with the, the Raven decision with mm-hmm. marijuana. And Alaska was one of the first five states to legalize abortion before Roe v. Wade. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I learned that in uh, Freakonomics. Okay. They talk about a uh, very controversial position they took in that book. Uh, Dubner and uh, Levitt, those, those was a economist and like an author. Hmm. You read that book? No. You got to read Freakonomics no. and Super Freakonomics. You're one of about a hundred people that told me I need you to should read, read that it. And, yeah. But um, they they looked at uh, crime rates and they were trying to figure out well how, how why did crime early '90s they were like or late '80s it was like the crimes rampant the crimes mm-hmm. out of control. Oh you know, sure. New York was like all the oh. they were trying to f- do all these measures to like reduce crime and, and then it just radically went down. Mm-hmm. In the early 90s, I mean, everybody was kind of like, huh, what's going on? Did all these policies? And what these guys in the book said was, well, it happened to correlate with Roe v. Wade. Oh, okay. So I've read that economic theory in yeah. other context, not from Freakonomics. I actually wrote a paper in college about I think the these economics guys, of abortion. That was one of the things we talked about. I think it's, these guys were kind of the... It's a weird correlation, but it's I think this guy was... There. This Dubner guy was the first guy no. to really... No. Um, it was very controversial. Yeah, it's certainly not something you talk about in... Plates in society. No, no, but they were just taking a position there. Here's the data, right. but no, but, but I mean, you're right though. The data does show, and and you know, I I don't I don't know much about statistics, but I mean, you know, from people who do, they say there is a correlation. But there. of the five states yeah. who legalized abortion before Roe v. Wade, they had the exact yeah. same drop in crime rate. Interesting. So that that was why you know I realized Alaska, California, I think, and there was a few mm. others. Mm. No, so anyways, no. the piece you wrote, uh, no. you know, fifteen hundred shares. I mean, that's nothing to. Yeah, that means that means probably. I have to look at the analytics, but I'm, I'm guessing probably five or ten thousand people read that. You must you must have heard about That's, it when you when we published it. You must have got feedback, I assume. Oh, of course, I got feedback. <laughs> did, you, did you get any feedback? I got to ask you: Did you get any feedback from the state of Alaska? From, of course, I got from, feedback from, from, your, from the state of Alaska, <laughs> like the, from your boss or Corey or the governors. No, I, I of course gave you know my boss a heads up that you know I was gonna. That was a ga- that was yeah. a gangster piece to write when you worked for the state. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. You know what? It, um, you know, I got, I got a little bit of blowback from the governor's office, but you know, even then, uh, you know, what by the person in the governor's office, I'm not going to say who that spoke to me. Um, you know, even one of the things that that person said was, you know, listen, you have a free speech, right? And we respect that. And, you know, 
just, you know, think about the optics and that's it. So the core reason no. you, you were kind of, you were saying that, you know, these, these things about fiscal responsibility and deficits and mm -hmm. um, the things that are important to the party historically have kind of gone out the window yeah. when, when Trump raises the deficit like crazy. And this is before COVID even, February oh, yeah. before COVID yeah. even. And see, I, and I actually published an article in Must Read Alaska shortly before this. It would have been around September timeframe of uh, 2019. And one of the points I made in that, I compared the debt, um, debt to uh, GDP ratio and where we are at that point in time. That's a scary ratio. It is. And I said, you know, we are approaching where we were at World War II. Yep. And the reason we were there in World War II was because we had a freaking war to fight, you know, on two fronts. And uh, that's not where America was at 2019. And, you know, I went on to say, uh, and it's by no means an original thought, but, you know, if we have an existential threat like we did in World War II, we'd be absolutely hosed. And then five months, six months later, COVID-19 happens. And so, you know, that for Trump was already running, I don't know what it was, a trillion dollar deficit before COVID happened. And, you know, now it's just that chasm between, you know, uh, you know, where the deficit is and, and, and the amount of debt that we're ramping up. It's just when you look at the graphs, it's just scary. I mean, Jeff, you and I, I think we're the same age. I'm 38 years old. How old are you? I'll be 36 on uh, Tuesday, on, okay. yeah, Monday. All right, so we're in the same generation. I mean, you and I are going to be bearing the brunt of this. It's you not, still have it's full, not, head of, full head of hair, though. Kind of. I, mean, I like four strands up there, maybe. A lot more than me. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to be we're going to be paying the price on this. It's it's not going to be, you know, Trump's generation and the generation of politicians that are in their 70s and 80s that ran up, you know, no, no, all, all no, that. They, they're going to be dead and gone. And, and it's us and our children that, that are going to be absolutely hosed from this. So, you know, part of why I wrote that article is, you know, I, just a food for thought for people. The two party system is absolutely not serving us, in my opinion. I totally, and, totally agree. Yeah. And so the alternative to that is, okay, we can all be scattered as independents. And the way that the current system is set up, if you're independents, if, if you're independent, if you're not aligned with a party, you're not going to have any power. You know, ballot measure two that just passed might change that dynamic a little bit in Alaska. No. It's changing that dynamic in Maine. But we're only two states out of 50 right now that have, well, you know, a, a system set up like that. You know, for our generation, we really need to take back control. Well, I had thought about, uh, and for a while, the Libertarian Party was a recognized political party uh, in Alaska because of the, uh, actually, the walker Malott thing. Mm -hmm. Because there was no Democrat on the ballot, the top two parties were Republican and Libertarian. So for a while, the Libertarian Party was the second. It's uh, interesting, yeah. And that's why they were able to get a seat on APOC, mm -hmm. because, of, because of that. It was kind of an ancillary yep. effect. Right. But the other party, um, there's two ways to become a recognized party, is uh, being, you know, first or second top two, I think, on the on the ballot, or if you have a uh, registered... The membership numbers. Membership, yeah, yeah. A, 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 a amount of registered voters, mm -hmm. whatever the, whatever it is. So Alaska Independence Party is the other one. Right. So I've thought about uh, getting a bunch of my friends together. Like, it wouldn't be that many, like 50 people. Taking over the AIP, right? <laughs> Taking over the whole committee, everything, right? And then using that as a means to have another apparatus, as kind of an alternative... Center right, moderate, yeah, yeah. you know, not cra like because you could do that because they have enough membership. And I think part of their membership is based, and I see this a lot of talking to friends and people. People go to register to vote and they say independence. Oh, yeah, I'm independent. They click independence. Well, that, that's exactly what I was going to ask is, you know, how many of the pe members of the Alaska Independence Party a lot think that they're just independent? I think a lot. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. had a friend. I don't know. Yeah. A friend of a friend a who lives near us when I was yeah. running for state senate, I was doing petition candidates. So I had to get signatures. 
So uh, my friend said, oh, my friend lives down the street. She'll sign it. So I mm -hmm. said, great. So I go over. And everybody who signed it, who I didn't know, I kind of looked them up. And I said, oh, your friend's a se secessionist. Yeah. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, she's part of the Independence Party. And she goes, is she really? I said, yeah, but I'm guessing she's probably, you know, an independent. And she clicked, clicked the Independence Party. So we went over to her house, and, and I was, like, talking to her. And I, I said, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know you favored, like, secession of Alaska. And she said, what are you talking about? She's like a professional <laughs> engineer. I was like, you belong to a party yeah. whose kind of sole platform is, like, seceding from the right. union. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, I do not. I'm an independent. Right. And I showed it to her, and she's, like, mortified. Yeah. So yeah. she changed it. But I think a lot of people who registered to vote see independence party yeah. and are like, oh, yeah, independent. Right. No, we really need a third option. We should and, take, me know, and you should fucking hijack the independence party. No, I mean. I, we could do it, baby. We could do it. I'm sure we could. Ideologically, I'm a libertarian. I'm proud to be a libertarian. We can write I mean, the platform. Is... We can take over. We, we, write, <laughs> we take over. We write the whole platform. Well, why don't you come join the libertarians, man? I don't come know. Back. I mean, I, I bring just, you back into the fold. Maybe I should. I don't know. Absolutely I should. I'm, I'm nonpartisan now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I registered right. as nonpartisan in, in May or June when I when I filed to run for Senate. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, it's interesting in Alaska. There's more independents or undeclared nonpartisan there than there is Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. Independence Party. Yeah. yeah. I got to tell you, I uh, I met uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen when she was up here in Alaska. You know, I really wanted to go. I know she was here. I, I, I was hoping to get a podcast with she her. She is an incredibly impressive woman. You know, I it would have been really nice to to see the media give her more attention. You know, I mean, you had a, a PhD credentialed woman running at the top of the ticket on all fifty states, and you know, it, it's 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 funny. You listen to everyone's virtue signaling about you know getting more women involved in politics. Let's have a woman president. Hey, we have this great option right here, and Dr. Jorgensen, yeah. and you're not even giving her any press. Well, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, it's. I'm, it's I'm I'm not you know I I have my issues with Trump and his no. style and person personality but I mean tr Trump put in a lot of women in positions and did sure. a lot and no. it was it was like totally never talked about right. by the media like right. the, the the larger media yeah. you know but now Biden's putting um what's the woman the congresswoman as interior secretary she's a Native American I mean I forget her uh what's her name it's like I know it's I know I know it's, it's like yeah. everywhere right. you know and his press is his communications team it's all it's mm -hmm. like women it's like it's like everywhere. It's it's they're they're, yeah. they're very virtuistic. They're very praising of that, yeah. but but um, and and that I just that's a little sad because right. I was watching Matt Taibbi. You know Matt Taibbi. Uh, I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about real it. real no. well known journalist. Uh, been been around for a long time. Okay, worked wrote for Rolling Stone mm -hmm. and all these different publications. But he was on Joe Rogan like year year ago, year and a half ago. He's actually kind of like a lot of journalists now. He started on Substack, which is an email plat kind of newsletter platform, and he's doing his own thing now, but. He said his biggest problem with a lot of these younger reporters or journalists is, you know, they have their kind of ideas of how the world should be and they project mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And he goes, the truth is somebody who public official or elected official, somebody who's the bad guy today could very well be the good guy tomorrow. That's right. That's and, right. and you can't just look at somebody and say they're always bad. Right. They're evil. Yep. You know, because yep. that's Absolutely. just not that's not the reality. Yep. Kind of reminds me of a saying they have about uh, Supreme Court decisions. You know, today's dissent is tomorrow's um, uh, majority opinion. You know, I just read. Speaking uh, of Supreme Court, uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes. I'm sure, you're familiar with that man. Ah, uh, yes, I am. So I was reading uh, Team of Rivals. Also, for the record, I'm pouring a third glass. We might be calling an Uber here. Yeah, we, we. I may be Uber. Yeah, I may be. Uh, that's good. That's good. All right, you good? Still, All right. Any more ice left? The ice cube was. Amazing. I don't have any more. God, ice you brought left, that big ball of ice, which is a very, very, very. Yeah, you get those molds on uh, Amazon. 
I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have the little, I have the square one. Oh yeah, the square one. Yeah. The, the little plastic, you fill it up and you, with ice and it's got the big square. Yeah. But uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, I didn't realize this. He was he was wounded in the Civil War. Did hmm. you know that? No, I did not. In a, in a battle, I was reading this chapter about General McClellan and all this kind of fighting with Lincoln and mm-hmm. these generals and before the kind of in the early stages of the war and there was kind of a fuck up by one of these generals and and Oliver Wendell Holmes was was, was injured and he uh, he 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 got re- 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 recovered. He recovered at um I think it was Salmon Chase's house, who was the. Uh, Attorney General for Lincoln, who was one mm-hmm, of his rivals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like thinking to myself, "Fuck, that was the Supreme Court you know, right. Justice." Wi- yeah. Many, many years later, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a whole other world today, man. You know, the, the law the law is fa- fascinating to me because I'm not a lawyer, but I have a lot of lawyer friends, and mm-hmm. I, I follow like legal cases, and I try to. I, mean, I probably know more than the average person, but I'm not a lawyer. And you just filed a lawsuit today, apparently. And I, and I was going to say, I just oh. yesterday we filed the lawsuit. Yesterday, okay. Um, and I got these great lawyers, Matt Singer and Lee Baxter. They're mm-hmm. pro bono um, for a First Amendment. I've, I've been I've been excluded without explanation or without without uh, reason from the governor's press conferences for a long time. And this is a, kind of an example of that. I mean, it's so fascinating, kind of the minutia of like you file a complaint and what does that mean? Okay, mm-hmm. well that doesn't really mean a lot until you get affidavits and get evidence and show, and then, then that means so much, but then the other side can go and then everybody kind of agrees on the facts, right. even though they're disagreeing on the case, they all disagree. They all agree on the facts. Right. And then, and then you go to the, like, what does that mean for the bigger picture? What happened 30 years ago or 50 years ago? And why does that matter? And then, right. you know, what does this mean for the going forward? And why is a decision today way different than a decision 50 years ago? Sure. Because things have changed circumstances of, you know, it's, it's right. really, and that's an area of law that I don't know much about in terms of what's going to be applicable in your case. But what came to mind when I was reading through the article is, okay, to your point, what is the press in 2020 compared to what was the press in 1970 or 1950, right? Yeah, or, or even you 1850 know? when it was no. all newspaper. Right. And right. then later, okay, 19, oh. early 20s, radio, Oh. So TV. I'll be curious to see what comes out of it. Yeah. Hopefully a nice judgment comes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Dave Chappelle, the... Um, of course, Remember, I know Dave Chappelle. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know the the show. The show. You know the uh, what was the one about the from when he had the Chappelle show? You mean? Back yeah, you know the, the okay. Law and Order. Like when it was reversed, and it was like the white guy was charged with like he was like a white collar crime guy was charged with some you know bull, and then the the the, the dr- crack d- dealer was was treated like a white collar guy. And he was like, <laughs> you know, he was like test- insider trading. Or yeah, he was right? he was like testifying, and he's like, I plead the fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, so so basically, it's like the, it the, when I get the premise of the skit is like this white guy, white collar guy, mm-hmm. he like steals money from the pension or whatever, and then he gets taken out. The cops storm in, grenades, kill the dog, like totally just you know. And this guy, this white guy, is like facing a jury of like all all black people, right? And then this like black crack dealer, he they call him up, they're like, hey, you know, you've we got a warrant here, but we don't want to like. He's like, oh, it's bad for my community if I just get a right, you know. And then he comes in, and then they have this like show trial, and it's like, you know, ah, oh, well, testifying, we'll get you one month in club fed, no big deal. <laughs> but there's a scene where he's like, I plead the such fifth. an eighties term, club fed. <laughs> one, two, one, two, three, four, fifth. And then he has a piece of paper, and he's like, F I fifth, F I F. For those of you listening at home, this is the part of the podcast now that's obviously three bourbons in. So. This is the best part of the podcast. I mean, this is this is the by by far. I've done a lot. There's of like these. three people listening by now. I'm sure, right? You know, it's actually interesting. We we um, I'm surprised. We the listeners have been we've been I've been doing this for a couple of years, and yeah. 
It's it's uh it's growing and we it's have, great. I'm glad to hear that. Most yeah. random people are like, I listen to your podcast. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. I I've I've enjoyed them. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever be doing one, but yeah, I enjoyed them. Well, I mean, it's it's uh it's it's fun. Yeah. So you, I just realized this before the podcast started. You are engaged to my friend's sister. Yes. I Dustin McCluskey. Yep. Yeah. Who, who is a legend, by the way. Dustin McCluskey, for those of you listening, just to clarify, is my future brother-in-law, not my future spouse. <laughs> right, you're marrying a sister. Yeah, you're marrying not... a sister, yes. <laughs> I think I said sis- sister, right? Yeah. I support gay rights, but I'm heterosexual. As a libertarian. So, as a libertarian. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you, got, you guys are date planned, or is that? Yeah, July 3rd. We're getting married um, at Alieska, and, um, well, that's where the reception's going to be, and uh, we're doing a Catholic ceremony at Our Lady of the Snows. Uh, that little Catholic chapel right across the street, and that's great. We're going through pre-Cana right now. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a not, Catholic thing. Yeah, it's a Catholic. This thing. is like a Caltagirone type situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a very Catholic mother, and you know, that's really the only thing she wanted to come out of this, other than having a great daughter-in-law, which she will with Victoria. Uh, but there, your parents are in California. Or? My parents are in California still. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was born in San Diego. Yes, that's what you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Balboa. Yeah, Naval small world. Hospital. Oh, yep. So, so you, they've met, they've met the, the fiance or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria and I have been together for two, three years now. And, um, yeah, so no, they've, they've been up here. We've been down there and, um, you know, we were actually thinking about getting married this past summer, uh, 2020 and, uh, Ooh, bad, bad. Oh, I know. And, and we decided to pull chalks on that before COVID happened. We said, you know what? We, we have way too much transition in our lives happening right now. Let's push it off a year to 2021. Thank God we did that. Mm-hmm. You know, part of when we were venue shopping, um, you know, just hearing some of the horror stories that people have had in terms of trying to, you know, change their wedding plans and, you know, people who had weddings scheduled or, in, or, in or Anchorage and going out to the Valley and having to do that at the last minute because there's less restrictions out there. I read an article um, about a wedding and uh, where was it at? In, it was in East Coast, I think. It was definitely lower 48 and they had a big wedding and – Five or six people ended up dying who didn't even go to the wedding wow. with COVID because it became a super spreader. Was it one of those like 500 person weddings it was, it was, or something like that? I don't that? know. If it, was, yeah. it was pretty I big. I, I think I saw those it was on pretty, the news. Yeah. It was pretty big, but it was yeah. a. We can't a, afford a 500 person wedding. <laughs> it was, I think it was 100, whatever it was, but yeah. it was like ended up being a super spreader type wedding. And then people right. got sick from that, right? Right. Who didn't even go to the fucking wedding. Right. Older right. folks, you know, because yeah. somebody went and went home. and Naturally, as one does. Yeah. Now, I got to say, my friend Ryan, um, Dustin's friend, mm-hmm. my friend Ryan, he got married. Uh, at Alaska 10 years ago. And uh, I, I actually asked them if I could wear coattail. I asked Ryan, can I wear this tuxedo that I wanted to wear? And it was coattails with a top hat. And Ryan approved it. Like a morning suit you're describing. Well, it was a tuxedo with like the coat. With the long tails yes, and the yes. top hat? That's a morning suit. You're describing a, a morning, morning suit. suit. A morning suit. What is yeah. that? I, I, it's a type of tuxedo, and it's you know very formal, very old school, long ass tails. Long tails and then short, and, short yeah. up front and the, oh, little, yeah. the buttons. So I'm wearing that and a morning suit. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a, it's very British, I think. Yeah, but so I'm wearing that, and Brian told me I could wear it. I don't know if he actually asked his at the time fiance or now wife or anybody, but right. a lot of people were like, "Jeff, why are you upstaging the fucking groom in your suit?" I was like, "I don't know. I, I was told I could wear it." Right. So I, I was like, uh, they all had us in different kind of roles. Like I was at the at the entrance, and the cars would pull up, and I'd tell people where to go and. Okay. It was yeah. it was a good wedding and it while, was while wearing a morning suit. <laughs> while wearing a morning suit. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And and uh they were they got married up top and it was summertime, but it was like, man, it was so fucking windy. Hmm. It was it was kind of a little miserable. Hmm. 
But it was it was a fun. LAS is a great yeah great yeah. venue. I mean, for it's that. Alaska basic, you know that's what we're doing. <laughs> I, it's fun. It's yeah. very yeah. pretty. Yeah. Now my other friends, Federico, my friend who had the same name problem. His name is Gianangeli. I thought forever it was pronounced differently, kind of like your name. Right. They got married. Um, Why don't you tell the listeners how you thought my name was pronounced? I thought it was Caltegori. See, that's closer than most people get. I feel like you had an even like further, far afield pronunciation. No, no, I thought Peter Cal. I just in my mind, Caltegori. Like, that's what Peter Caltegori. I'm mean, interviewing Peter Caltegori tonight. Yeah, I was yeah, like, I what? What you. is that yeah. even? What kind of name is that? The category? Yeah. Is he British. <laughs> so, so Federico and Arena got married in Homer in 2016. And mm-hmm. I was the MC for their wedding. Where am I going with this? If you need an MC, if you need somebody to facilitate, if you need any kind of person. At the wedding, I'm your guy, no charge. Gotcha. Just putting that out there right now. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. We just hired a DJ, but I appreciate that. I'm not yeah. a DJ. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm more of a MC host. Gotcha. And again, no charge. All right. Well, do you show up in a speedo? Is that extra charge or how does that? That's work? actually discount. Like, do I have to pay? Oh, that's I'd discount. Pay, I'd pay you. You pay me yeah. to let that happen. All right. That's fair. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Tough that's, but fair. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a good deal. <laughs> My sister got married um, in sixteen to a pretty wealthy actor and it didn't work out. But mm. anyways, weddings are fucking expensive. Fuck yeah, they are. So she got married in this place in, in a Santa Monica, I think. And it was oh, real, that's even more expensive, very yeah. high end. Right. Yeah. And plus 8%, 8 percent, eight and a half percent sales tax. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't even yeah. know. I think it was like a thousand or more per person, whatever it was. Yeah. And, and the place they were getting married at the, the place, I forget what it's called, but it was, I, I called and you know, I wanted to make a reservation a thousand dollars a night. And I was like, yeah, I'm not fucking staying there. So so I stayed down the street in town at the Lemon Tree Lodge. Which was 250 like a night, probably. One, 175, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 175. Right. <laughs> took an, took yeah, a Motel fucking, 6 in Santa Monica is going to be over 200. <laughs> I took a lift for like 20 bucks up right. to the... <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's playing smart. No. So, you, so you're saying you had this dream to come to Alaska. You've never been I to did. Alaska. Kind of no, like I, me. I, I'd come to visit, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I had this dream to come. And actually, the, the job that I took at the Attorney General's office uh, in the oil and gas section wasn't my first attempt at coming up here. Basically, what I did um, was cold call, I don't know, five or six law firms in Alaska. And I got one to, to call me back. And, you know, the response that I got was, you know, listen, you look great on paper. You got a great resume. I'm sure you're a fine lawyer. We heard your name. We but, got very yeah, excited well, yeah, about your a, a, we can't pronounce it. You know, it's going to be tough in court. We but. got very excited <laughs> about your collection abilities. We figured you'd be a good collector right. for us. But, you know, what, what they said was, you know, Peter, we, we bring people up, we train them for a year, and then they're gone. They decide they don't like Alaska. And, you know, now that I've been here for five years, I totally understand that. But, you know, my first attempt was actually to be the district attorney of Barrow, if you can believe it or not. And uh, no shit. I, yeah. And I made it down to the final two people um, and, and 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 a gentleman who's now deceased, uh, a guy named Mike Gray is the former uh, D.A. of Fairbanks. Um, he was the one who really actively recruited me and, and a man that was very near and dear to my heart. Uh, he's really the reason that I'm in Alaska. And may you rest in peace. Unfortunately, he passed away 10 days after his retirement. But oh, wow. yeah, he got uh, hit on a motorcycle um, oh, uh, shit. In, in Canada while he was. Oh, his... no, I know. I, I you, you read about that? Yeah, no, I, I, no. I know. About, yes, I know. I remember that Yeah, vividly. Yeah. He was yeah. retired. Yeah. And he was. Um, yeah, I remember that was probably four years, five years ago. It right? was, yeah, it was about two years ago that two, three years ago that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was. He's the reason well, well, that I'm well, in Alaska. Well, well-known guy. Yeah, yeah, awesome guy. Just an absolutely awesome guy. 
And, um, yeah, so I made down to the final two candidates for that job, and Barrow was a two-year commitment. And I said, okay, I mean, obviously I don't want to live in, in Barrow for the and rest you're, of my you're life. You're in Philly then, or you're in San and Diego? I'm in Philly at this time. Oh, shit. And, uh, That's and, a wild yeah. move. And so now uh, former criminal division head, now Deputy AG uh, John Skidmore, called me, and I'm locking up the office in Philly at like 6 o'clock at night or whatever. And uh, we do the final interview, and, you know, um, turned out I didn't get the job. And, you know, it's because they were looking at my resume and saying, okay, this guy comes up the barrel, he's going to be gone in two months, right? Which, and, which, which is not unreasonable. A lot of teachers come to Alaska. Absolutely. They're gone yeah, in like now, a couple now days. Now that I'm or, here, I get, now that I've been to Barrow, I get it. And, and Barrow's a beautiful place. I, I just don't know if I could live there for, you know, an extended period of time. It's just, you know, completely different from, from what I grew up with from my frame of reference. And so, um, so anyway, two years go by. I move home to San Diego, and I'm, I'm working at a law firm there. And then this position comes up uh, that I ended up taking uh, in 2016. And, uh, so and you, I, you had been applying or been, been looking? Be, no, be, I kind of watching. said, okay, this is maybe a sign that I, that I shouldn't move to Alaska. And, um, but then this, but I was always watching this position came up and I called Mike and he said, yeah, Peter, absolutely. And he, and he called his contacts at the civil division and I worked my way up the chain ended up getting the job. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a six month. What did your San Diego folks say at the law firm? Oh, they were supportive. They were very supportive, you know, and I, and I still keep in touch with all those guys and, and gals to this day. Uh, in fact, some of them, you know, gave me some great advice for starting my own practice up here. Uh, so how'd you meet the, the fiance now? That Dustin's sister. We, uh, we actually, you know, we, we actually went through a very exclusive uh, matchmaking service. Oh, like a, online? Yeah, called Tinder. Love that. <laughs> Love. God damn it. You're, you should do a podcast. <laughs> I've been to like, I, it's increasingly um, more Tinder weddings. And, you know, yeah. I mean, there's people that met. I got off Tinder several years ago because I had, I had just, I had some, I'm not even, I've. If, you, I have, if I have one more of these bourbons, I'll tell you some fucking crazy stories. But well, I mean, it, Alaska Tinder is like you swipe left five times and that's it. You're out of matches for three weeks. I mean, it's so Alaska <laughs> Tinder for me. No, for for me, Alaska Tinder is just swipe right as many times as possible. Like just like like I'd be on there like a bullet. Like, you know? That's funny. You know, we actually thought about having as a theme at our wedding that you know, groom side swipe left. Right, swipe, yeah. swipe, swipe right. You it's know. it's crazy how many people I know who have met on Tinder, but Bumbles and I don't do any of those anymore. But Bumbles, yeah, that was post. Another, my, that was after I was done being single. Bumble is that, is that what they call post facto? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a new. I've gotten in my new lawsuit now. I've learned some new terms about. So I asked my lawyers. I said, "How does this work?" When we have a hearing. I said, "I said, can I talk or do I get to say anything?" Or no, you keep they, your and, fucking and, and mouth they, shut. They Jeff. said, "They said you will not say nothing. You will be quiet. Exactly. <laughs> you will be fucking quiet. Right." Google sometime, you know, after this podcast, Google sometime shut the fuck up Friday. And it is absolutely the best legal advice I can ever give anybody in their entire life. The cops come calling, you shut the fuck up. Right. You don't say a word. <laughs> I don't care if you're innocent. I don't care if you're still wiping blood off of your shirt. You shut the fuck up. Do not say a word. Don't love, give them anything. Yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah. I, I love Let that. your lawyer speak for you. Absolutely. So Tinder, huh? Yeah. T- yeah. That, 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 that's uh Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I got some stories about that. No, we're actually, you know, we were at a point, we joke about this now, but, you know, I had sent her a message and I said, hey, you know, love to meet. Let me know if you want to have coffee sometime. I'm, I don't know exactly what I said, but didn't hear anything. You have to have like a witty, very witty, day. I know, memorable and, that, and that's not statement. me. I'm direct. I'm to the point. It, it's to my detriment. But 
you know, two, three days go by. I'm like, so are you interested or not? Because I'm going to unmatch with you if you're not. And apparently, Let me know so I can clear my my, yeah. my messages. Here. There's one specific friend that was like apparently pushing her in the background. Are you going to respond to this guy or not? Because I will if you don't. And, and Victoria I I, finally did. And, and the rest is history. I can't believe you said an exclusive. I thought you were going to talk about some like high, high end, <laughs> like, Pay, like, you know, you're like, like, what is it? Tinder? What is that always advertises in the, um, in the, in the airplane magazines? Let's have lunch or, oh yeah, no, let's do, let's like do that. lunch. That's what, yeah. That's in the Alaska. <laughs> that's like, that's for the, like the very high level people that make right. all the money. They, right. they pay like 20 grand yeah. to some company to exactly. set up a lunch. I always or, get a kick out of that. Yeah. So, anyway. man, so, so tender wedding. So that's our, that's our very romantic story. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So. So what's the uh, what's the plan now? So you got this law firm, and I mean, is it a little scary going on your own, or oh, it was. You I have a little money saved up. I probably little? yeah. I mean, I, I I was okay. I basically budgeted to be hungry for about six months, and you know, the other attorneys that I spoke with that have done similar moves, that's what they said. They said, you know, you're going to be hungry for six months, and then you're going to have more work than you can handle, and um, uh, so that's why that's how I budgeted, and, and I really had a lot of encouragement on the back end. A lot of my attorney colleagues were pushing me to do it. And I was initially going to wait, you know, the entire four years of the first administration for Dunleavy before I made a before I made a move. But yeah, so why did you? You had the good job at DNR. Why? What precipitated or what kind of caused you to to move move away now and start your start your firm? I saw a lot of. I saw I saw a lot of opportunity. You know, I, there's a lot of people out there right now that are losing their shirts, and and I don't mean to be disrespectful when I when when I say this. I mean people are really having a hard time right now because of some of the things that have happened with COVID because some of the things that, you know, our local government have done to force them out of business. Yeah. You know, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. I'm sure you don't want to do that tonight. Well, I mean, tomorrow they're having, know, the, tomorrow they're doing the, uh, the defying the order. Have right. you heard about this? Um, no, I haven't heard so, about uh, this. Yeah. Allegedly, and who knows, we'll see what happens, but several, many businesses are supposed to kind of open up tomorrow. Right. In defiance of the order to kind of, you know, send, if it's, if enough people do it is the logic, then what are they going to do to us or what, what are they going to do to them? So, Sure. We'll see what happens. But I'm in a position in my life right now where I was comfortable and I see a lot of transition happening right now. So I said, okay, I'd rather get something established, get a firm, get all that administrative. And it's been a really big administrative burden in terms of, you know, getting a firm up and running. I'd rather get that all out of the way right now. And then when our economy starts pulling right. back yeah, up, that's a good, then yeah. I'm in a position. I'm in a position to get clients. I'm in a position to work. And, and what I didn't expect is there's a lot of work out there right now. And, Have and you so thought I'm about very busy right now. In my second month, I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised by it. What kind of, I mean, can you t talk about what kind of work you're doing right now or? Um, right now, I mean, my target, I mean, my specialty is Alaska oil and gas, right? But I mean, it, it, it takes a while to develop that work. So um, I, people that I've known for a long time, but, you know, people in Alaska, people in lower 48 even, um, have run-of-the-mill issues. You know, I have a case involving, um, you know, uh, uh, the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. I have a case involving, um, you know, landlord-tenant dispute. I have, um, you know, uh, some contract issues. I'm, you know, uh, helping somebody with a real estate issue. Uh, you know, and and these are all things, um, you know, I'm, I'm about to, uh, to file suit uh, for a plaintiff, uh, you know, who was basically, um, well, I probably shouldn't go into the details, but... Um, <clears throat> Long story short is it, it's, 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 th th there's a lot of work. People need things to be done. People need a lawyer and, and you know, you never want to be in a position where, where you need a lawyer, obviously, but the, there's a lot I, of needs out there and, and I'm fulfilling those needs while I pursue the work that, you know, I, is really in my wheelhouse. I feel like I'm so, so lucky and, um, you know, just because I know so many lawyers 
and I, I feel like the average person is, it just doesn't, you know, the average person who has a family and a job and, you know, who's not like I'm in the media no. kind of world and I'm in the political world and I just know a lot of lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like the average person just does not know. And I used to be that person, right? Who's a lawyer? Do I call somebody? Do I go in the phone book? Do right. I Google right. it? Like no idea who to call, right? Right. And right. I think I think most people when they need a lawyer they it's have no very, idea, they very, have no fucking idea very word of mouth very referral based and it's also right. you you maybe you even know a lawyer but you right. call them and they're like we don't I don't do the law you're yeah. but let me get you to somebody who does right you know, yeah yeah and so and have and you that, have you thought about lobbying no I never thought about because a lot of lawyer you know you you dabble in like right yeah and I mean you know maybe we do like a Caltagirone landfield. <laughs> Or like, you would, would, be a lobbyist? would it be Landfield, Caltagirone, or Caltagirone? I think we lead with Caltagirone because that scares, that kind of intimidates people. By the way, um, the name of the Jewish gangster was Meyer Lansky. Oh, okay. That's who I was. That at, rings a bell somewhere. That's who Hyman yeah. Roth was based off gotcha. of. Gotcha. Lansky, who was in the rackets and the gaming, and he was growing up with, you know, Murder, Inc., all that okay. stuff. You all know, right. The whole, right. de- the whole yeah. deal. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. So no, I you know I'm I'm really excited. I mean, the biggest thing is I'm really excited just to be a free agent, frankly. And you know, I mean, I've been working for the state for the last, you know, however long, and and uh, and, it, and it was a great job. You know, I'm not I'm not knocking that experience at all. But you know, when you work for the state, the article I published in February, notwithstanding, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things I would like to have gotten involved in that that you really can and you yeah. shouldn't. And well, because you know, I mean, I'm, you were you were a Essentially a political appointee, right? Essentially, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, low level, but yeah, yeah. So, you know. But no, I, I, I haven't looked back. I had a lot of sleepless nights, um, you know, in terms of making the decision to go on my own, you know, in terms of, you know, there's not going to be any money coming in for six months. And, you know, at least that's what I had thought in my head. I'm, I'm actually doing okay. Uh, but, uh, you know. So how do but, you, you um, as, an, as a new lawyer or mm-hmm. a, a new law firm, do you just kind of, Decide how much your value is, your because you you bill hourly, right? Is that kind of how it works? So how uh, do you how do you kind of decide what to charge? Yeah, folks? I, the, the lion's share of my work is going to be hourly. Uh, so like, so. like do you get you give the first guy like, hey, you're my first. I'm going to give you a real fucking good deal. <laughs> and then as we get more people, well, guess what? You pay more. No, I mean I did a lot of research in the market, and you know I've overseen contracts, and you know, and and I have people who need lawyers, and I ask them what they pay, and you know, you get an you get an idea of of where the legal rates are in the market. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that informed what I've decided to charge people, certainly. Um, but, you know, so that's the lion's share of my work. And I also, you know, I'm willing to take, and I have a case right now that's on contingency, um, you know, where which you... Mean, which means you only get paid if, if you win. Exactly. And, or if you settle the case, obviously, for a cash settlement. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and then you take a percentage of, of, of whatever that, whatever that uh, payment is, whatever that settlement amount is, or, or judgment. So if, if, if I cold called you... But there's a lot of risk with that. Right, right. Let's say if I cold yeah. called you tomorrow, yeah, and I had a case that you thought was pretty good, you were like, "Oh, this is you know, good case." Mm-hmm. I, I say, "Look, I don't have a ton of money. I have some money, right?" Mm-hmm. But you realize the case is going to take a lot of time, right? I mean, a lot, a lot of lawyers do retainers, right? You give me here's ten grand or five grand, gets me going. But when do you kind of say, "Well, you know what? I really believe." Is it more of a belief in what they're doing or a belief in they you can win? To go to the contingency because a lot of people don't do contingency. I, I kind of I've discovered. Yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the analysis with the contingency file is, um, yeah. To your point, I mean, are you good on the merits? I mean, it, it, whenever you're doing an intake, right? I mean, the client's going to give you their version of the events. There's always two sides to every story, and the truth is usually somewhere in the middle, right? But um, 
But yeah, I mean, you look at that, you look at, you know, your litigation targets, you know, is there an insurance policy that covers this? Am I going after a company that's bankrupt? Or somebody who doesn't have assets, right? I mean, yeah, good, yeah, good you point. know, and and that's something that you advise the client. Okay, you may be right on the merits. So if somebody but you're wants, gonna, you're going to waste two years of your life, and you're not going to see dollar one on this. So case, if somebody you know, wants to call you to sue me, you're like, right. "Fuck you, pay, pay <laughs> up." You know? No, I'm. Go- I saw your fancy car with the speedo license plates. On my, my, my my twenty my twenty fifteen Camry. Yeah. 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 So you saw the speedo. I'm getting plate. your Camry. I'm getting twenty percent of that Camry. <laughs> you know what? It's about two grand, buddy. <laughs> good. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> so I have the license plate Speedo, and people do not believe that's my li- I mean, even when they see it, they're like, fuck oh, it's it. That's fantastic. That's, I love that's it. not your license plate, is it? I go, absolutely. Yeah. So for those of you listening at home, I was sitting in the parking lot first waiting for Jeff to arrive, and but I didn't I, know but, what he drives. But I also was not uh, late. No, you, you weren't. You, you weren't. You were I'm early. Yeah. My dad used yeah. to always tell me when I was growing up, he was Navy, retired Navy. If you're, early, if, you're, if you're earlier on time, if you're on right. time, you're late. Right. When I was like 10 oh. or 11, I said, Dad, what happens if you're late? You're fucked. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so I'm wait. I'm, I pull over yeah. at the end. You you were way over at the other end. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw line. a car drive by that had speedo on as the vanity plate, and I said, "Oh yeah, this is Jeff." I didn't know what you drive, but yeah, I was like, "Yeah." yeah. 2015 okay, Camry, baby. <laughs> I used to have a, um, and I'm I'm I feel yeah. to this day dumb for selling it, but a friend of mine is in the car. But I used to sell car buy and sell cars with yeah. some friends. I love cars. I mean, I'm. Always on car sites. I'm always on cars and bids or bring it yeah, I, or, you know, whatever. I love, I love yeah. a nice car. Yeah. I love cars. And so years ago, 20, it was 2013 or it was 2012. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, I'd always wanted a G wagon, Mercedes. Really? Yeah. G wagon, yeah. you know, the big, and there's a few of them up here. Yeah. Not, not many, yeah. not many, a few couples, like four, four or five. Um, so a friend who was in the car business, Russian guy, I know mm-hmm. he Calls one day and he goes, "There's a G wagon for sale." Uh, I said, "Where? Where?" And he goes, "It's on Craigslist." And he, he goes, "It looks it looks kind of weird though." So I go to the Craigslist post. It was it was, you know, G wagon, blah blah. You know, two thousand three, eighty thousand miles, blah blah blah. And there was like not a lot of information. There was a really small grain, like a like small pixeled image. It was really like a Honda Odyssey with like so. I was just like, I was, I was, to make it look like a G wagon. I was just like, well. <laughs> It was a G wagon, but I mean, it was a really shitty. It was like a really shitty quality picture. Gotcha. It was one small. So I was like, "This is fucking fake," you know. Mm-hmm. So so many fake things on Craigslist. Right. So I um, but I said, "Oh, you know, what's hurting?" Emailing it. So I emailed and I said, "Hey, I'm, I'm interested." And you know, uh, what do you what do you, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me know if I can come see it. Right. So like ten minutes later, I get an email back. Hey, you know, where do you want to meet? I want to show you the car. So I'm kind of like, "Fuck, that's weird." So I meet this guy. Two thousand. It was a two thousand five. That was the year two thousand five. Black G wagon, it was like seventy eight thousand miles. They bought it, um, barely used, from the from the Mercedes dealership in Anchorage. He was a doctor, a heart surgeon, at at Providence. What was he asking for this thing? Forty thousand. Was it hot? No, it was actually forty thousand was a good deal. Um, I mean, was this car hot? I mean, it was not. It was it was not hot. It was it was the guy. So he bought it for his wife. Who didn't like it? She just didn't like driving it. She just right. he, he told me, yeah, it's not she for just, everybody. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was kind of sitting in the garage. We want to get rid of it. We bought it several years ago. We're moving to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, shit. So I called my friend over. There was one small problem. the The back of the, the the, the uh, where the where the back kind of door closes to the 
Yeah, door. It's, it's like a it it's slides like a bar, over. Yeah, it's so like a uh, sw- yeah. It's it's, it's like it's a swinging like door. Yeah, SUVs, and then, and yeah, it's a swinging door in the back, and then yeah, the, um, the big ass tire lodged. And the tire lodge there, was right? scratched really badly because mm-hmm. the, the garage closed. Up, whatever, yeah. no big deal. So I call my friend to go look at it because he's a car guy, and he's like, "Damn, like this is like I thought this was like not not, not legit." Right. So I just offer the guy thirty five thousand. I didn't have thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> what I had was. An 800 credit score. Um, <laughs> but I offered go. the guy yeah. 35000 yeah. And he's like, no way, no. Like, we're 40 solid and firm. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay, well, you know, good luck. I wanted it, but right. not for 40 right? Right. So he leaves, and, like, like the next day he calls me. He's like, fucking make the check payable to blah, blah, blah. And go, oh, my God. It's happening. It's happening, people. <laughs> so I called Alaska USA, and I said, hey, I want to buy I want to buy this car. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the information. And they said, well, we don't, we don't. We we don't see this in our in our NADA system. The car didn't even like it wouldn't pull up because it's such a rare car. So they had to like do a special. Well, they thing. had the VIN or did they? I have... had the VIN, but it, yeah. like, like it didn't pull. It just didn't pull up. Weird. Like, even with the VIN. Okay. So they ended up looking at, looking it up, and they and yeah. they. No, I mean they, the VIN pulled up, but like they didn't have a value for the car. They didn't know because oh, it was okay. it was a rare yeah. car. So right. rare right. cars are harder to value. I yeah. mean, it's not a Camry or, or an Explorer or, or a pickup or something. So they ended up saying, yeah, we'll, we'll loan you the money, no problem. So I called Unless the you're in a Southern California Starbucks parking lot and, like, there's at least three G-Wagons sitting there. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not I mean, super rare, but it's rare in Alaska. Well, California, <laughs> sure. Cal- yeah. they're every, L.A., California, yeah, yeah they're everywhere. No, Russia, no. Moscow. Right. But up here, there's only a handful of them. Right, right. Um, so I I, um, I, I, I tell the, I call the guy, yeah, ready, ready to go. Turns out they also had a... Um, platinum Mercedes warranty hmm. they bought when they bought the car. Wow. Barely used, right? Like years prior. So you could, I found out you can transfer that warranty one time. Like if I buy a platinum sure. yeah, warranty yeah. for Mercedes, yeah, right, it's like a certified pre-owned. You can thing. transfer yep. it one time mm-hmm. only. Yep. And they paid like, they paid like six grand for it. And, and by the way, that was me accidentally that was, knocking that my was, That was Peter Caltagirone <laughs> knocking the mic with his <laughs> lovely bourbon. Oh. Uh, it's a bullet, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So, so frontier whiskey. So we're we're in we're in the deal and we're we're doing the deal. And I said, well, what about this? You know, warranty. And he's like, well, I paid six. There's like, there's like four left. And I was like, well, Mercedes said you can transfer at one time. And he goes, yeah, I, I guess so. And I go, well, I want I want you to transfer. And he goes, well, what are you going to pay me? And I was like, what do you want? And he's like, two grand. And I was like, fucking deal, because. This is a full yeah right. Th- this is like everything right. This is yeah. like the expensive warranty yeah. So and especially on what was this like a seven eight year old Benz at the time. So I bought it in like t- uh, I bought it in twelve. Yeah, so it was about I bought five. It in eleven yeah eleven or twelve. So yeah, it was like yeah. six or seven yeah, years you're old. You're gonna want that warranty on an older Benz because yeah. plus yeah. Mercedes. I mean, like yeah. to do the to do the yeah. any kind of work. Once I bought it years later, the the seat broke. Right. There was an issue with the seat, and I couldn't. Yeah. And I was like, "What's wrong with the seat?" And they were like, "Oh, something's wrong." Blah blah. And, it was like three thousand dollars. Yeah, when well, I was the in Philly, warranty covered it. When I was in Philly, I actually owned a uh, about three Benzes over the course of uh, over the course of a few years, but older ones. I love the eighties. That was Benzes. your that was your grandfather's influence. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I had Senior a, called the Gironis. I had care. a uh, I had an eighty nine five sixty SL. I had a ninety one five sixty SEL, the big you know flagship, right, and uh, the big sedan, and then I had a ninety nine SL and. I swear to God, every time you open the hood on those things, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's not. It's, yeah. yeah, so plus you got the A. Look at it right. You have the A and the B, right? The yeah. A service, the B service, exactly. and one's yeah. cheaper, one's more. Right. So I bought, I bought it, and I mean, this is it was, it was, it was like it was fucking, it was cherry. I mean, the the 
the, the car was just immaculate. Right. And and I, I, I had and a They haven't of, changed that car since like 1970. The, 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 the funny G-Wagon. thing is, like yeah. a, a, a 2000 or 99 or 05, you know, G, G500 looks outside the exact same right. as a 2020 G63, which costs $400,000, yeah. right? right. The, the, the really fancy ones. Right, I mean, right, even, right. even the. The, I mean, the, base 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 level G wagon. You're at least 120, 130. Yeah, yeah. So the G five hundred or the or the G five fifty, like you're looking at, yeah, one fifty, right. one twenty. You know, but the G sixty three, G sixty five. I mean, these are like four hundred thousand dollars, right? But but you wouldn't tell if you're the average passerby. They look the right. exact same from the outside. It's like when you get in the inside and all the other under the hood, all the stuff. So I bought it. I had it for a couple of years. Drove it all around. It was it was wild. Like whenever I pulled up to get gas or. Sure. Went somewhere yeah. or just. Oh, hey, good on you, man. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> dumbest thing I ever did, though, was I decided, you know, I said, oh, I, I, the warranty's going to run out in, a, you know, six months. Maybe I should try to sell it. And I put it up for sale. And, like, nobody in Alaska won. It was no. just not something that. No. no, it's a unicorn. But some guy in Texas called me one day. Hmm. And, like, it was, like, 2014. Yeah, it was 2014. It was during that Dan Sullivan, Mark Begich race. Because I remember I was summertime and I was, I was just left a soccer game. And this guy was like, yeah, I want to buy your car. Can you send me some more pictures? And I said, sure. And I was like, do you want to come see it? I thought he was like in Anchorage, you mm-hmm. know, but he was in Texas. And I, um, this is actually a fucking wild story. So he goes, no, I'm in Dallas. I go, okay, well, so I sent him more pictures. And he goes, yeah, I want to buy it. And I go, uh, all right. Like, I mean, okay, like, what do, you, what do you want to do? He's like, well, like, what do you, you know? He's like, I'm, I'm fine with the price. I, I, I actually got my money back after after." Driving it for two years. That's pretty impressive. So he sends me a fucking wire hmm. for like for like $38,000. And, and I still owed money on the car. Yeah. I didn't know this guy from Adam. All right. So I pay off the title. Um, and he sent some extra money to put it on the on the container to ship mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I put it on the I put it on the barge. Or I take it to the Alaska sh- shipping. And I, I put I mail him the title. And, you know, it's all good. And I'm, you know, looking back, I should have never sold that fucking thing. I mean, I should have kept it. Right. But then, like, well, I, we all have cars like that in our past that we're like, yeah, yeah I no, I was like, why did I, why did I, I, I do that myself? Yeah. Why did I do that? You know, no. I'm gonna buy another one one day. I, I will have another G wagon. One of my favorite cars I should have never sold was actually a 1996 Crown Victoria. Oh, a Crown Vic. Oh my God, I love Crown Victoria. You, you can, but, you yeah. can get those. That, no, it, it, nice ones with low mileage. No, you can't get them. I mean, they they don't exist. Yeah, no, they're yeah. all cop cars. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I had a '96 Crown. Victoria. Did you have like an old man's Crown Vic? What do you mean by that? Like old people buy Crown Vics, right? So did you buy like a used Crown? No, Vic? not necessarily. I, well, yeah, I had a used Crown Vic, but oh, I see what you're getting at, like a super low mileage, clean. Yeah, yeah, like an older you drove guy to the church on Sunday yes. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, that's what I had. Yeah, and um, God, that thing is a it, it's a sleeper. That's what I love about it. It's got a huge V8 in it, rear wheel drive, rear wheel drive. It's you can drive it off a fucking cliff and it will keep going. Yes, I mean it's it's I I bought that car. So I could, at the time, I was basically doing depositions and court appearances in North Jersey. So I was ripping and running up and down the Jersey Turnpike, you know, like three days a week and putting all these miles on the car. And, of course, you know, getting the mileage reimbursement on the on the file. And I made a lot of money off the car because of that. But, I mean, it's indestructible. And people get out of your way. Cops don't pull you over. I mean, it's 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 fantastic. That's I, why cops use the Crown Vicks. I should have never sold that car. Yeah. Why'd you sell it? It was having a little bit of a transmission issue, and I probably could have put fifteen hundred into it and had a mm-hmm. great car, you know. And at the time, I'm like, "Oh, fifteen hundred—that's a lot of money." I, you know, I don't think I should do that, so I sell it. And so this is like yeah. what seven, eight years ago, or oh yeah, this is back in Philly, so this is at least 
Let's see, I left Philly in 2014, and I sold that. Yeah, I sold that car in 2013. When you yeah. were in Philly and you like met people, and you were like, "I'm Peter Caltagirone," were they like, "Oh, oh, okay, Mr. Caltagirone, we don't want to bother you"? No, I mean a very sizable percentage of the population <laughs> of Philadelphia is Italian. I know, but that just that name for me, that name Caltagirone. I mean, that just shit. Go to parts of South Philly, and I'm like, "Welcome." Do you know? I, I just like did a family pod- discount. I just did a podcast right before you. The previous podcast was Sarah Erickson, who. Um, was was her second husband was a judge. Do you know about this guy, uh, Paul Paul Pazonski? No, I don't. He was a judge, twenty year criminal court judge, drug court judge in Philly. They married for a long time, moved to Philly. Mm-hmm. He moved back here in two thousand. Uh, we did. We talked about it on the podcast. They moved back here in two thousand twelve. He became like an administrative law judge. He was a retired like drug like elected judge in Philly, and he ended up you know getting indicted for like taking all kinds of coke out of the evidence room for like years. Hardcore shit. Interesting. Yeah. No. no. Philly, baby. <laughs> and she was telling me like she used to party with like Roethlisberger and like they'd give her husband at the time like tickets to the game. Well, like, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> a little corruption, baby. Yeah. In the microwave that fell off a truck, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. So so um I gotta finish the G Wagon. So I so this I saw this guy in the car. Mm-hmm. He's in Dallas and you know, we kinda were texting. He was my age, young Younger guy, obviously had money, fucking wires me like 40 grand right. for a fucking car. Didn't even know me. Mm-hmm. And I mail him the title. So, like, a few months later, he, he texts me. He's like, hey, man, like, fucking, I fucking, I fucking need to talk to somebody. And I was like, okay. What are you calling me for? <laughs> I was like, yeah. great. Okay, what? What's up? He said, he calls me. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like my fucking girlfriend. I came home. I, I love her. I've done everything for her. I came home. She was on the kitchen counter getting fucked by my best friend. Why the hell is he calling you with this? And he goes, he goes, I need to get out of here before I do something fucking crazy because like, like I'm very mad and like I might, I might do something like I might regret. He's like, can I come to Alaska? What? And stay with you for a while and like chill out. I bought your car. Do this for me. And I was like, what? 100%. And I was like, Stop. So your friends fucking your girlfriend. You caught him. So far, you've done nothing. Right? He's like, I left. I I punched him in the face. I I fucked him up a little bit. I left. I need to get out of here before I do something regrettable. Can I come to Alaska? And I said, Look, no. <laughs> what what I said was, well, what like when do you want to come and for how long? I did have an extra room at the time. I was a little oh, bit like, Jeff. I oh. was a little bit curious. I was like, this guy sounds like kind of fun. So I told him I was like, <laughs> I was okay with it. I was single, whatever, you know, <laughs> he never came. He said he worked it out with her. Like he had like, he called me one day crying and he said, he, this is the guy that bought the car. It was, I just have this shit in my life where like people meet Crazy. me. I don't know, man. Fucking wild. So you text back new phone. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> We're still we're still friends on Facebook. I mean, he like goes he goes to Europe and like he's like big into like fancy car like really nice cars. Well, does he still have the car? Oh yeah, I mean, well, as of like yeah, as of a year year or two ago, he did. Yeah, hmm. he said he was never going to sell it. He's like such a good fucking deal. Like rubbed it in my face, you know. Like I never should have sold it. Wow. You got you got to get like a like like a Peter Caltagirone G wagon for your get get like one of those stickers on the side like those, mag, those magnets. <laughs> Justify those fees. 
sir, I'm charging you this much because I have to pay for my extravagant right, lifestyle. You know, it's a it's a certain lifestyle that I got to maintain. It makes you look good. It makes me look good. No, nah, man, that's not my speed. One of my favorite <laughs> scenes in a movie ever is uh, in The People versus Larry Flint. Mm-hmm. When when Flint's like, you know, flaunting. It's been years since I've seen that movie, but yeah. So there's a scene where Flint's like flaunting the order of the judge to, like, to not leave the state of California because he's like, he's, um, you know, they're trying to get the source of that tape, the DeLorean tape that he had. Right. And, and the judge is like, you can't leave. You know, that's a condition of the bail. And he's, like, getting on the jet, and his lawyer shows up. And it's... Um, Young Edward Norton, if I'm Edward not Norton, mistaken, correct, right? yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and he's like, fuck you, Larry. I'm fucking done with you, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, I'm sick of your shit. And then, and then like... Um, and this is what I tell my friend Lee Baxter. Mm-hmm. I said it's the opposite. He's like, he's like, I'm the fucking best client. I'm always in trouble, and I'm rich. Yeah. So so I tell Lee, like, I'm... I'm I have like legal, I mean, I'm in trouble or I have legal issues and I'm not rich. (laughs) Yeah. Said another way, the best clients, and this is my personal opinion, but the best clients, this is an axiom. Best clients are rich, angry, and wrong. That's it. I mean, yeah. Well, so there you go. Interesting G-Wagon story. (laughs) Yeah, man, uh, I'll tell you, I'll show you that when when the podcast's over, I'll show you that guy's guy's Facebook. We're still friends. Wow. He like, you needed to escape to avoid, you know, capital crime. So if folks want to get a hold of you, what are they, what are they, um, do you have a website? Sure, or? absolutely. And I appreciate the, the offer to, uh, to share it. Um, it's, uh, my website is www.caltaglegal.com and that's C-A-L-T-A-G, legal, all one word. Uh, made the decision to just use the first six letters of my last name. I was going to ask, ask people to spell Caltadroni. That was my yeah. next question follow-up. Was right. it, You didn't want to do CaltadroniLaw.com? No, you know, I went through various iterations, and uh, that's what I landed on. Uh, you know, the if you look me up on the, uh, you know, the actual firm name is Caltadroni Legal LLC. Um, Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. I'll yep. be, I'll be, if yeah. I don't, if Absolutely. I haven't already added you, I'll, I will be adding no, you. No, please do. I think we're already friends on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn, we are. If I'm not mistaken. I believe we are. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you and I were actually standing next to each other in the urinal at Asia Garden after your 2016 run for state senate. Holy yeah. fuck! I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, "Oh hey, my nice god, I forgot about that." Race will run. Yeah, that's when we first met. I'm yeah. having this flashback. <laughs> I, I, yes. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! That was you, right? That was me. Yeah, yeah. What were you doing? What were you doing there? Well, at the time I was taking a piss, but yeah, I was congratulating. Wait, you were you were you there for my party? I was there for your party. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I like remember that, but that whole night for me was a blur. Also because I like lost badly, yeah. and, and I was only like, I don't know, seven, eight months in, in my my tenure in Alaska at that point. How, you you, know, just, so. you were just following the races, or you yeah, were, yeah. This guy's a psycho. I gotta go to his <laughs> party. <laughs> <laughs> to go to this guy's party at an Asian karaoke bar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like karaoke, and yeah, you know. I Were you there when I sang Johnny Cash hurt? I don't think I was there for that. I that think was, I missed that. It was yeah, a low. It was a low point was of it? the evening. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. were like, "Put him on suicide watch." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So you can go to the website or give me a call nine zero seven two zero two one zero three one. And you're doing you're doing civil, you know, do, doing all kinds. Yeah, I mean, my two my my two real um, bailiwicks are Alaska oil and gas law and complex commercial litigation. I mean, that's really what was that word you used earlier? That sub subjugation, subrogation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I'm very good at that. Uh, what does it mean, subrogation? What is that? subrogation? Is basically a right um, that you have um, basically given to somebody else, and in the context of insurance. So if I if my house burned down and I collected, you know, the proceeds under my insurance policy for that, 
uh, I would have the right as a as a homeowner to go after a third party if a third party was responsible for what happened. And most insurance policies make you assign that right over to the insurance policy over the insurance carrier, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And in theory, it's an exchange for lower premiums and whatnot. And so that then gives the insurance company the right to step into the shoes of the homeowner and pursue the third party. So, so the how often does that company, happen? That happens pretty often, actually, and some big dollar cases, too. Um, but, you know, so the insurance company, let's say it's a million dollar house. The insurance company pays you a million dollars, right, under, your, under the terms of your policy. They can then go after the third party, get a million back, and that insurance company gets to keep the money. So, so they get made whole. They get, well, the insurance well, company does. The insurance and, company, yeah. And now you're, see, made whole is actually a term of art in that, you know, some jurisdictions require that, you know, like let's say the policy limits were for $250,000 and my loss is actually $350,000. You know, some states require you to pay the homeowner for that balance Part of 100000 before the insurance company right. can take so it. If they, if, yeah. if it's two fifty, right. if it's three fifty, they get two fifty, and then they get five hundred. Right. You got to kick homeboy back a hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Exactly. Some states require that. I don't know where Alaska. I did all this work in Philly and the East Coast, but, um, but yeah. So and that's how I started my career. It but, sounds like you yeah. may have been doing work with like, you know, like people on the East Coast involved in like 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 trash collection business, you know. <laughs> I'm going to start getting like, like I'm personally way. attacked here pretty soon, but we'll leave that for, I have thick skin, so we'll it's, leave it's, it alone. It's, 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 isn't it kind of funny how like, you know, I can make jokes about like mafia. Right. Yeah, we can but, do racial humor as Italians. Yeah, but, but like, you, I mean, other yeah, racial, other yeah, races absolutely. you cannot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine yeah. if you were like, like, like black or Muslim, right. or like, right. I couldn't, I mean, come on, like, no. but with Italian, we kind of, or Irish, you know, we kind of yeah. accept that as yeah, like, was, you know, yeah. part of the struggle. Well, it's a white privilege, you know. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell it to my grandfather how much white privilege he had trying to make it in America in the early days. And you know that, that that's my thing. Like you know, and I talk a lot about this on you yeah. probably see on Twitter, like Facebook, like 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 I believe you know that racial injustice exists. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm, I acknowledge as a white guy, Un- I got I got I got a better go of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, there there's so much history in this country where a lot of people have faced a lot of struggles right. and oppressions and. You that's know, not I, part of the narrative. I, I yeah. yeah. And I, I think the idea that like for some people this critical race theory where like yeah. you know, they, they view everything's racist, racism is everywhere, it's ubiquitous. I don't believe that, you know. Right. I don't believe most people are racists. Yeah. I believe there is racism, I believe mm-hmm. it's it's bad and we should stamp it out. But like when, when a truly racist thing happens or when a truly kind of a racist person says like they they, they, they get quashed by society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they get praised mm-hmm. by society. And, you know, I don't want to get into the whole, that's a whole different yeah, that's podcast. A, that's but, a, yeah, we could talk but, for three but, hours on that. But, but we can, yeah. we can, we can bash the Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did we go? What are we at? We're, right at, uh, we're at an hour, hour and 38. Wow, that's, that's going to be longer. one of your longer podcasts. Yeah, huh? no, I usually do 45. And, but if it's interesting, yeah. if it's a character like Peter Caldezroni, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to go a little longer. Or if we're drinking bourbon. <laughs> or if we're having, or if, or if we finished, you know, two thirds of a bottle of bullet. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, 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 which I love. Well, here's to you. Let's uh, toast hey, while we're on the. Pour me, pour me, pour me, yeah, pour me a little absolutely. more. Yeah. Don't do, don't do the Peter, full Peter pour. I mean, yeah, the, all right. The, do about a third Peter. That's good. There yeah. you go. So we'll do one more toast for you. Hey, 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 honestly, best of luck in your business. Yeah, thank you, and so I appreciate you're, the you're, opportunity you're, to yeah. talk tonight. And no, this yeah. has been great. We should do another one of these. Best of luck in your new venture. I mean, like I started my own thing, you know, landmine, and it's. Up and down, and you know, and scary it's, it's, and, it's, and it's rewarding not, too, right? Yeah, 
It's not like getting a paycheck. No, you listen every, every you two know, weeks. For, for what it's worth, Jeff. I mean, you have created something very unique and and new, and and you know, a lot of people are talking about you and have been talking about you. You know, and some some of the negative, but mostly positive. I mean, you know, you you're creating a buzz. You know, well, and, what, and what, what I what I heard a long time ago, and, and I've kind mm-hmm. of lived by this. I don't I don't care what they're saying. As long as you're talking about it, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so well, good on you, Peter. Yeah. Peter Caltagirone, uh, great, great, great podcast, great discussion. Yeah, it's been folks. Privilege. If you're looking for an attorney, you, you got to call Peter. And uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, CaltagLegal.com. Yeah, yeah. Check me out. And I think we should do another podcast. I'm and, down. I'm and down. I got a, one more plug. Yeah. If you need me as like a M- MC type type person for the wedding, I'm your guy. I. I I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right, folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.